Hi there, welcome to the Bad Vibes Club podcast. I'm Matt, I'm your host. The Bad Vibes podcast is about art, politics and feelings. It's hosted by me. We have interviews, audio essays, lectures and more. And this is the first of six special interview podcasts. And they're all supported by Arts Council England. This podcast in particular is supported by Corridor 8 magazine. And if you go to Corridor 8, uh, that's Corridor, then the number 8.co.uk. You can also read an article that I wrote based on this interview. And this interview is with the artists and curators Sam Venables and Joe Fletcher Orr. Both originally from Merseyside. Sam now lives in Glasgow. Joe still lives in the Wirral. I met Sam and Joe in Liverpool. Sam was down for work. She works for Levi's and she was down doing a shop fit, I think. And we met in the Titanic, which is a mad kind of posh hotel where Sam was staying and where all the footballers stay. I think Man City were playing Everton that day. And Joe wanted to watch the match. So we actually went up to Sam's room and hung out and watched TV, watched the, watched the match. Well, Joe ate a burger. We kind of chatted and caught up. And then we did this interview. And the, the point of this interview is to try and talk about what it means to be from a working class background and to be making contemporary art and how that affects what you do and how that might influence how you make work, but also how, you know, kind of the economics of that play out. Like, what do you do to support your practice? How does it work? How do your family feel about what you do? They're issues that I think about a lot. And they're also things that are really hard to talk about. So you'll hear us talking about it from a lot of different angles and, and only towards the end of the podcast do we kind of talk about it explicitly. But I thought it was a really interesting conversation. It was really nice to catch up with Sam and Joe. I don't see them so much these days. And yeah, I hope you enjoy it too. I'll be back at the end of the podcast to tell you what we've got coming up. And that's it. hope you enjoy it. I didn't like working in real hotel. Didn't really agree with me. I don't think I really had a choice because where I'm from, like, the place where I'm from is next to, like, because it's Cheshire Oak, so it's Europe, Europe's largest outlet village. Yeah, so I never really had a choice because it was like, you finish school and then you had to get a job and then it was just like, oh, Cheshire Oaks is there and there's like 130 shops. Yeah. So you just got a job in one of the shops, like, pretty, pretty standard. But there's people there, like, from when I was, like, 16 that still work there now, and it's like, fuck, you've moved from shop to shop to shop to shop, like, and you've gone to that... I used to dread going, like, you've gone to Cheshire Oaks, every, like, every day yeah. for the past however many years, 15 years. Mental. Earlier, Joe asked me why I'd thought of you guys to talk about uh, your practices together, and it was partly because I'd spotted this thing where I think in a... In a talk, Sam, you'd said that your nan and your mum both dealt antiques. And then, Joe, I know that you're... Your dad, he's a market trader, but he yeah, it's yeah. carpets, right? I'm a trader, yeah. And my granddad was the same as well. Yeah. Um, done it, family of souls, rugs, for like 47 years or something like this. Yeah, long time. And what does your... Does your mum still trade antiques? My mum sells shit on eBay now. Because <laughs> the, the best money. You get the best money on the internet. But, um... No, like, uh, yeah, I think my, yeah, my nan and granddad, like, years ago, used to have a shop that this was before I was born. And then, um, and then when we were kids, we got, like, taken around, like, markets and car boots and stuff like that. And my mum was, like, bought and sold stuff, and she had a stall and, like, I was me a port market. My nan did. My mum did, like, an occasional stall. And she does, she still does. 
she sells things at, at antique fairs now that are too big to post <laughs> <laughs> or too annoying to send yeah. like so yeah she saves stuff like that for antique fairs my granddad was like a stamp stamp dealer he oh, sold wow. stamps and weird stuff like that yeah so me and Lily, my sister, like we used to like go to antique fairs and like set set the stall up. That was our deal. Just like getting everything out, building the, the kind of set up and then yeah, sitting on the stall all day and selling things. And what did you get paid for that? No, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Joking, aren't you? Did you get paid? Yeah. No, when you were a kid? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. My dad used to give me 20 quid on a Saturday for going when I was like really young. And that was like, you know, when you used to get some good stuff for 20 quid. Yeah. I was like the richest kid around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely didn't get paid. But you still work with them now? Yeah. Um, still work on the store. Only two days a week now because I sell rugs online. What you did, you run, you also run a business selling rugs online. Yeah. <laughs> On eBay, Amazon, uh, and own website. And it's gone a lot better than I ever expected. You need to get a plug-in. Dot com, or is it just on eBay you've got? On Credit UK. <laughs> I remember when I got the Bad Vibes Club website, and someone was laughing at me because it's like getting dot UK is like you're a builder or something. <laughs> like you haven't worked out the internet properly. <laughs> But is that with your dad or is that just your own business? Just me, yeah. Um, because start to, you know, like a lot of people do it online and like markets are getting quieter and we're really late to it, obviously. Mm. But one of the good things is we already have all the right connections, you know, so I just get them sent direct from the supplier to the customer. So you just get an order in um, £100 and then, yeah, you just send it direct. So you don't never see the product. That must be the one of the few trades where that works because normally you'd have to buy things in bulk. But I guess carpets you don't and rugs you don't do. Well, Paul does it for furniture. Like, he, yeah. Yeah. So he it started off because he bought a bed for himself, mm. and it he bought it and like obviously he got it like delivered to his house or whatever. And he was like, well, actually, I could just like advertise this and then someone will buy it and then you just you don't even see it. It just gets sent yeah. straight there. But he, I think he got in a bit of trouble because he wasn't very good at, like, customer satisfaction. Uh, <laughs> he yeah. told people to fuck off. <laughs> and they were like, it's damaged. He was like, fuck you. Like, yeah, unlucky. Yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to go out my way to make sure that doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, be overly nice. Like, when customers are nuisance, just be nice because we're only just starting out. It's uh, good. Okay. Like, I mean, <coughs> made money. Like, it means I don't have to work much. Yeah. Do you know? Which is amazing. Like, obviously, just get to do art stuff do you ever go to antiques fairs or anything like that yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still buy bits and pieces like I've sold a few things online oh, really yeah oh. my mum's like always, my mum is mental like she she well she had an amazing job at Liverpool Uni uh, she worked at the School of Biological Science, Sciences she's like a technician so she set up all the experiments and stuff and uh, I, yeah she quit because she just makes more cash like selling things Probably shouldn't talk about this because she'd go mad at me if I knew that I was telling people. <laughs> she bought an amber necklace like a few weeks ago for like 50, for 50p and sold it for a grand on eBay. Wow. Yeah, insane. But she, all the time, like shit like this happens all the time. But she's like, she 
she's just like, oh, like you've got the knowledge, like you could just, yeah. you could just quit, like you don't need to work forty hours sometimes more a week doing something that you know it's all right, but you don't really want to do it. Like yeah. you, you've got knowledge to not do that. Is this her talking to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like you, you could leave and just you could get by, and you'd probably do all right. Mad. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess that's what you're doing, right, Joe? Because you worked on well, like you say, you've already got these connections. You do two days a week, like four hours a day, so like eight hours over the week is pretty um, rare, I think, for somebody who isn't like rich or whatever. Yeah. You know, someone my age. Yeah. I don't have a trust fund or anything like that, so no one else really would work that little and get paid, you know, a good amount to live off and save up and make work. Pay yeah. for cactus. It's really quite rare, I think. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it's good when you're out and you see the order come in and you make like £250 off just sitting there having dinner. Yeah. And you're like, shit, this is like pain for me to have a really good time. Um, but yeah. I could try harder at it, you know? Like, yeah. Could try harder. Like, make the website really slick try harder at sales, advertise and everything. Mm-hmm. So I think if ever it doesn't work out for me as an artist, I'm just going to do that, you know. <laughs> we'll do it anyway, but I mean, really try hard at it, you know. Yeah. Make the least of it, don't make it as an artist, I can have a lot of money and hopefully, <laughs> you know, I'll still be happy probably. Maybe you could talk about the process of how you decided to set up your own gallery. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was doing shows around Manchester whilst I was in my final year with... A couple of other people, Callum Crawford and Guy Broadhurst, and um, we were sort of getting. Well, I was getting frustrated because we always had to find a new space, and that brought new problems, like you know, different landlords we were asking for. So just used to look on Right Move and ring people up, you know, like for shops, ring them up, like can I use this space? I'll give you this much money, um, and some of them said yes. So we started doing them shows, which was really good, and then moving back to Liverpool. Apart from the raw standard, I don't think there was anywhere that I was sort of looking at, you know, programs and stuff that I was like, that's, I really like it, you know, like that's a good program. I like going to those opens. So I thought I'll do it. And I was kind of naive. I thought it'd be really easy. Um, and I thought I'd be open in three weeks. That was my plan. I didn't really know anything at this stage. And it took something like six months to open eventually, just because it took time to work, save up, but that wasn't doing internet stuff save up, pay for that, then save up work, like, every day, pay for that, like, literally, you know, like, save up 500 quid, use that for the wood or something, and then do the same. So it was it took a while because, for that reason, I was having to pay for everything. Um, but why were you why were you willing to... Was this out of your own money? Yeah. So why were you willing to kind of spend your own money on doing it? Um, I don't know why I was doing it. Um guess comes from something much earlier where, I, I don't know, like a family thing where you don't ask for money, you know, if you want it, you just got to work for it. And I didn't even know funding was available at that time. You know, that's how little I knew. I just thought, if I want to do this, I just pay for it. But then the problem was, like, I had this idea, I wanted to make it really slick because the other galleries in London, New York, ones I was interested in, we're all really slick with really good photography, but I didn't realise how much money is actually going in to make that gallery super slick, you know, to make it really nice interior, um, you know, for the website and all these things. But I was like, I can do that, you know, like I want to do the same solo shows, um, 
which were happening quite a lot of the time, that kind of thing. But then, yeah, it was hard because I realised I was running at commercial gallery speed, doing one show a month at that point, and like not selling anything, not trying to sell anything either, which is like, when you think about it, it's, you know, it's fucking crazy. Like, to so someone, why would they do that? You know, I don't have much money, so we spend all my money doing that, trying to do a show a month, spending everything I have on it, um, and not trying to sell anything, not doing our fairs, not even messaging a collector or anything like that, and just doing it. And then people start to look at it, you know, and you start to go out different places in London and people say, you know, I've heard of it, like I've seen it. But that was because I was choosing artists from different cities, trying to do a show of each of them, knowing that they'd put it on their website and social media, and then it was spread, you see. So, like, show, for instance, like, Sebastian Jefford, first artist, who was living in Bristol at that time. So we was, like, quite well connected already to London and uh, Bristol. And then he was going back saying, I did this show at Joe's New Space, it's really good. But, like, he he did... I'd never done a show before, that's so why I had nothing to show him. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, like he, in a sense, took the most risks because... He was like, I don't know, I have any idea. I didn't even have pictures of the space to show him when I asked him. He was just like, what? You know, a bit confused, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I still don't know why I did it, really. But I was just trying to create something that I would like to go to and, like, yeah. show other artists that I wish I had something they have. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wish I could paint that in that way. I wish I could make that sort of work. But I don't. So instead of being jealous or... Um, you know, bitter about that. Show them and then learn from them. You know, how do they do it? You know, maybe I'm not going to make the same work, but I'll learn how they how to do it. Yeah, it was so easy, and then I started getting shows myself, and that's when it got hard. So why was it? Why was that hard? Just because of busyness, or yeah, bad organisation skills. <laughs> Somebody runs a fucking gallery. I'm trying to be an artist and go to work most yeah. days. At that point, yeah. I was working like five, six days a week you know, long hours, everything, and then going to install after work, you know what I mean, like, heavy, um, but yeah, I still like, you know, I still enjoy doing it, I just slowed it down at the moment to rethink what it is, I've been looking at other spaces that like, you know, how they make it work, artists and uh, who run space and this kind yeah. of thing, but yeah, I'm, and I'm just me up until I got a bit of help off my friend, Doug, but it was just me for ages as well. As in you installing everything? No, yeah, kind of, but I was choosing artists to te- who were also technicians <laughs> as well. I don't know if anyone noticed that, but I'd ask, like, around to see whether they're technicians or not. But, you know, Charlie got a Thomas, Handy, Jesse Wine, Glenn, all done tech work. Um, who else is there? Seb installed his own show. You know, like, all these artists are all techs, art techs, which meant as well they have a lot of time. You know, obviously, a lot of people do it, don't they, for time and... But yeah, I set it up to try and make Liverpool better as well. Not that anyone comes to Liverpool <laughs> to my openings, so I don't know why I do it here sometimes. <laughs> but I try to like put Liverpool, you know, give it a bit of good reputation, like because lots of things had come and left. You know, Sam mm. probably knows more than me about that. But I think I always wanted to make it extra slick as well to be taken really seriously. You know, like because I think, especially with Instagram and everything happening. Mm a lot of spaces where I think they go wrong who have really good shows is it's just not quite slick enough so so people don't take it seriously which is wrong 
Of course, it's wrong, but it's how you know you don't get on the good art blogs I if think, the photos aren't slick enough. I think yeah, yeah. I think that I think the shows are slick. It's just yeah. that the documentation it's isn't there. Shoddy, yeah. A lot of the time, or not there at all. Yeah. If you live in Liverpool, where like have like a handful of people come, and then people do shows and don't document it properly, mm. so that it doesn't get out there. I mean, people say to me, oh, Cactus, I really like it. Never even been. It's amazing how you can manipulate things, you know, to create something. And is it, a, because obviously you, you were saying it's helped you a lot in your individual practice. Is there an element where you kind of go back and forth between your practice and the gallery and kind of use one to help you progress the other one? Well, I'd never done a solo show before, Cactus, and then straight away, you, you know you learn from all these different artists about how they do it. You know what I mean? One's experience, not as experience. Helps me get a good reputation, you know. Whether people say bad things about that or whatever, they probably will, I don't know. But I don't care. I'd do anything to, to make it work. You know, like be a artist getting paid and mm. selling work. Because so, like, when people say that, like they've said it before, it's an insult. Like, you only get shows because of cactus it's like you don't realize like i'd you know do anything to, mm. to get it that's like a tiny little if it was like you know tiny tiny little thing to help but i do everything i can to get that so i don't give a shit do you know what i mean like if it got if it gets me further mm. then you get called you know that's a bad thing for getting further just seems ludicrous to me yeah they're just jealous <laughs> Haters. Haters, yeah. Exactly. So this is where I think maybe it, things like class start to come in a little bit because I've always thought art is like grifting, like you're just trying to make it work and kind of get by. And if that's like, yeah, like working a shit job like six days a week and spending all your money on art, then that's that. And if it's like taking other... Basically, you know, I do lots of different things. I don't just make art, but I'd really like to just make art. Yeah. But because that's not possible, that means that I do other stuff because I can do other stuff. Yeah. And that, I don't know, but, but I was saying a bit earlier that it's kind of not helped me because it, it makes my practice look a bit diffuse, like a bit confusing to people. Yeah, I don't know. I think the most interesting artists all have different strands, though, to what they do. Do you know, like they're artists poet, writer, singer, do you know, when I look at artists and they've got that behind them or they work with different collectives or the whatever it is, you know, they're in a band as well. Mm. They're always the more interesting ones because the mind's all over the place, do you know what I mean? They're not just like, like one track mind, they're like, like all over, which I've always found was more interesting. But I think it's difficult for commercial galleries mm. to... To be all over the place because they just want you to be, you just know, yeah, they just want to sell stuff, and you're telling them like you know, like um, mad things, mad ideas. Like you know, I want to go off and do something completely different. You know, like that's not going to make us any money. And the gallery, no matter what, the commercial, they still need to make a little bit, even if it's the best commercial gallery. You know, who will get fully behind you? They still want you to make that little bit to help them. You know, yeah. to. It's a two-way thing. You've got to help the gallery as you well. you got to do a print run. Yeah, got to do a print run, yeah. <laughs> on edition. Apparently, I was talking to someone who used to run uh, print classes for artists who, basically just artists who'd been signed up to galleries and the galleries would make them go and do this print class that they could, because it was, like, this is pre-2008, so before the kind of economic crash. 
and he said that he was just after 2008 he was just out of a job that was like pretty much all he did was run like training sessions for artists who'd like young artists who'd just been signed up to galleries that's crazy yeah yeah have you have you ever Sam have you ever shown like in a commercial space I'm trying to think no no what I'm surprised is it acts a bit like one no. In the program, just garage. I know, but it's still for me. Like the artist he shows, the, the artists I know, are all artists who are usually in commercial galleries. Or... That's because it's like maybe I don't know. Maybe because it's like London based. I think Glenn yeah. is trying to change that a little bit now. Who's running Plaza at the moment? I think because he, he actually said to me, he's like, oh, I can't show anyone at the RA. Right. That's out the window. Like, why does he think he can't? show people from the RA because he doesn't want to <laughs> <laughs> I think he's like in the same pretty like similar situation obviously he's in the RA but he's in a situation like the Joe's in where he's kind of I don't I don't want to talk for him you know no, no, no. but like he, he's kind of he, he needs to choose his artist that he's going to show I think so far he's shown um, all three artists have been Northern right okay yeah so oh, Monty, Tom, Monty yeah. Tom and me are all northern, like yeah. Tom's from Leeds, Monty's Manchester, yeah. and then me. But I think like Glenn's trying to show like more northern artists. That's really good. I think it's really good as well. Well, and obviously because we it's hard do, to break into northern, it. Like. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but like I think um, it's quite hard to break into the London scene if you're a northerner. Because yeah. when you go down there as well, like I mean, I've been to some openings and stuff. And you can tell, not even that you're northern, just that you sound definitely from this area. It's like, I don't know. What do you mean from this area? You feel like exotic or something. <laughs> Liverpool. Oh, okay, yeah. Exotic. Um, like, uh, not exotic, um, it's too exotic. I mean, like, um, I don't know, like, they're not used to hearing that. Do you know what I mean? Like, that strong... Unless you go to school yeah. down there, I think. Unless you go to... Uh, yeah, and which your accent goes a bit... Yeah, you lose um, that a little bit, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you do, I think you do, definitely. Yeah. People have heard go down there um, end up sounding, you know, like, a bit... Like, if you move anywhere, innit? When I, I studied in Newcastle, I had to talk a lot clearer because people just didn't understand me. Because in Newcastle, yeah. they've got, like, a really strong accent, but it's really clear. Like, they pronounce all the words really strongly. Yeah. So I'd talk to people be like, thinking I was Australian and stuff. It's really, <laughs> really weird. So I had to, like, pronounce a bit more for them. But I guess, yeah, if you go anywhere, then you start speaking, like, the people around you. Yeah, yeah when I lived in Leeds, I've got a bit of a weird Leeds... Not a Leeds accent, but I said certain words. And now I live in Glasgow, I started saying I. I. And, like, Linny's like, what? did you just say I? And I'm like, <laughs> I. Stop saying, stop saying that. It's so weird. Can we talk about uh, Levi, Sam? Is that all right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I wondered, like, so, Joe, you're, you said your attitude is, like, everything you're doing is, like, to go towards an art career. So if it's working on the market with your dad or doing this, it's to, like, pay for work and it's to... I just thought that was a lot easier than applying for funding at the time because I'm not that good at writing. Um, so for me, it's like, do that or do nothing. What am I going to do? You know what I mean? going to moan about being having no money or whatever or going to do something about it. No one likes a winger. They were like, so what? Winter. You don't do anything. No. Like people, I get, you know, a lot of opportunities in Liverpool now. Like I just got shown at the moment at the Walker, shown at um, uh, Fact, 
and working with the Liverpool Biennial. And I feel like that gets a lot of people's backs up because, like, why is he getting those opportunities? You know, why are they not getting them or giving them to somebody else or anything like this? But the thing is, like, I was just doing cactus and working, you know, really hard and not asking these people to come. You know, it wasn't like, oh, please, please, please come, give me work. You know, it was like... (coughs) Who else, you know, like there's Crown Building Studios, there's three of them, they're doing good stuff and some other spaces which are like doing really well. But then it, um, they weren't doing it then, you know. No, there was nothing. There was nothing, yeah. There was nothing. Yeah, so that's the difference, I think. Because we can't, like, when you were saying, oh, I'm yeah. going to open, like, a gallery. Everyone was thinking, like, yes. <laughs> I didn't realise what I was walking into. You know what I mean? Like, everyone was saying, you should definitely do that, you should definitely do it, like, it's good, like, definitely do it, it'll be good. Because um, you'd seen some shows in Manchester, and you yeah, think you'd done, yeah, yeah, been able to yeah. see them. And like, you should, you should definitely do that. Like, um, and yeah, I never wanted to be a curator. I just felt like Liverpool was really important for it at that point. Yeah. There's been lots of stuff happen recently, yeah, which I don't know about it's a lot of it. Do you know what I mean? Which is fine. Like, it's good. It's always my goal to more stuff to happen. Yeah, you know, like, and then create a good, you know. Uh, Still want the, I still want it to be slick, but that's my personal, um, like you that's know, interest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wish. Yeah. So I want to talk about, so just slightly different attitudes towards making art. So Sam, you work for Levi's. Maybe just tell us a bit about what you do. Oh, so I've worked there for like nearly nine years, but I, I finished uni and then, I finished uni for I studied in Leeds and then I moved back to Ellesmereport, where I'm from. And I didn't really know anyone in Liverpool that made art or anything. So I, I volunteered at the uh, Liverpool Biennial um, just to meet some people, really, and see what was going on, because I didn't, I knew people in Leeds, but I didn't know anyone in Liverpool. And, um, yeah, I met quite a few people, like, there, and I spent two weeks colouring in a Richard Woods floor <laughs> on my hands and knees. And now he follows me on Instagram now, you know? And he, he likes loads of my posts, and I'm like, that's so weird, because you don't know. I coloured in your floor for like two weeks with a bloody marker pen. But anyway, why did you colour in his floor? Oh, is that what the work was? So you know his work's like um, it's like wood kind of block yeah, print, nice. and he makes like the floor. Yeah, it's really nice. He did like a rapid the rapid paint shop in Liverpool. He did like a whole like exhibition there, but the, he wasn't really happy with the block print on the floor. It wasn't printed on properly. But well, he said to paint over it to make it. So he had to colour bits in with a pen. Not as much. Oh my job. God. Yeah, I know. That's such an amazing job to get when you're just out of uni, like really excited about art, and then you just. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's fine. Like, I had a good good chat with some people that were like doing it. So, anyway, met a few people um, doing that, um, and it was actually Kev Hunt that um, we did like an exhibition, at just. Um, just a few bits and pieces like uh, of different people's artworks of volunteers that were at, at the biennial this was like 2008 I think it was um, Kev went to that exhibition and Kev was like running Royal Standard at the time and he was trying to kind of poach new studio members and he just emailed me I was like do you want to come and like look at the studios maybe you should get a studio and I was like actually that would be quite a cool idea to do I never really thought about getting a studio I was just kind of like well I just didn't have a job and like whatever uh, and then yeah, and then went to um, went to meet Kev, uh, and ended up getting a studio. And then a few months later, I got roped into running running Royal Standard oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, <laughs> classic Kev. 
So how long were you you were director at Royal Standard? Yeah. How long were you director for? Two and a half years. What was that like? Yeah, actually, yeah, it was good. Like, I met, it was an amazing like opportunity. I, I met so many people like from other artist-led spaces across like the country, doing shows like exchanges and stuff. Mm. And yeah, it was kind of like a bit of a whirlwind, like because you, you have to do. There's so, like, you think, oh, yeah, it's just curating shows. It's not. It's, like, chasing people for rent, which is the worst thing in the world. Like, can you pay, please? Like, what are you doing? Um, And, like, uh, security and building maintenance and all this other shit that you've got to deal with. Insurance claims and... Because we had a flood and, like, I was in charge of the insurance claim and it it made me, like, I couldn't sleep because of it because I was, like, so stressed (laughs) about it. Um... Just, like, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, we actually got 15 grand from the insurance claim. We did, like, a few shows with, <laughs> with the money. <laughs> we shouldn't admit that now. Like. Yeah, maybe we should take that. I'm sure it's all valid yeah, insurance claim. Yeah, it's all claim. valid. Yeah. Was all that. But, um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't, and I didn't really... I made bits and pieces of artwork, but I didn't, I didn't, really, um, I didn't really make much of my own artwork because I was too busy doing that and working 30 hours a week as well. So, so were you doing the same job then? No, not the job that I'm doing now. I was doing um, tailoring, so I do, did all the sewing. So I took jeans up, like, for 30 hours a week for however many years. Yeah. Four years or something. Three years, maybe. Um, but then, like, I finished run, running Royal Standard. I, my time had come to the end, and um, I got, like, kind of offered a job doing what I'm doing now, which is, like, um, shop fits for Levi's, uh, window dressing and stuff like that. Um, What's your official title? Marketplace manager. Sweet. <laughs> Whatever that means. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't know weird. what it means either. It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> so what do you actually do? Like, my area is, like, the north and island, so I have to drive around, like, all the different stores and make sure they're doing what they should be doing. But I also do, like, press events and PR and stuff. Right. So, yeah, I had to, like... A couple of months ago, I had to buy, like, Skepta's Rider. What? <laughs> so, like, That's in the grime, is it? Yeah. What do you want? <laughs> this, this is the highlight of the year. It's not really. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he um he was doing, like, a collaboration with Levi's. And, um, like, we were set we were setting up the the stage and, like, his, like, the whole area. It was in the V&A. Um, and he came and he was doing, like, a performance and stuff. And, yeah, part of the whole setting up of the thing, we had to go and buy his rider. It was pretty funny. Never thought I'd be doing that. What did he want in his rider? Um, Manuka honey. Really? Chewing gum. I've got it on my phone. I can send yeah, it to on. you. Yeah. Um, Nando's. <laughs> yeah. Nando's. Yeah, he's vegan though, I think. He yeah. wanted like a vegan, vegan meal. Halloumi's oh, uh, cheese though. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> what is it from Nando's then? If you can't have halloumi? Mushroom burger. Oh, I don't yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah, there's Maybe, I don't know. Oh, chips. No, it, he had like quite a bit of like a big crew with him, so that you know, yeah, was that. yeah, uh, yeah, met Sorry. him. He's all right. <laughs> How do you split what you do? Because they're obviously quite different things in a way, being an artist and then doing this yeah. like proper job. So yeah, so the, so I work like I get paid a salary and I work forty hours a week, um, and. I think, yeah, I, d- I never ever wanted really to do that. Hopefully one from work's already listening to this. <laughs> um, yeah, but it just kind of happened and I kinda, I'm all right with it because actually it kind of like informs some of my work and um, I get to travel quite a bit and go stay in loads of different cities and hang out with artists and 
from that we've I've done like quite a few shows like especially like my friend Graham Durant in Newcastle and Jambon I've done some shows with them but that's through just going hanging out there like and talking to them about different stuff um and yeah I get to I use it to kind of my advantage I suppose because like I have a car so <laughs> it's a big thing it's a useful thing to have company car yeah, yeah with free petrol can we talk about big massive work or do you not want to talk about no, it no, <laughs> so yeah. you you did a project called big massive work and that was pretty directly related to yeah your so, job yeah so uh, we used my company car as a gallery and we did um did it at three three um three locations so we did the um, annually in Edinburgh, which is run by Embassy. Um, and we did Kerry Ann's Summer Fate in London and uh, Supernormal Festival in Oxfordshire. Yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we had, like, three different artists. Once, one was um, Callum Crawford, he was at um, Kerry Hand. Um, Dan Moynihan, who was um, the Australian residency artist at Royal Standard at the time, because um, Royal Standard got loads of money from... Um, the biennial to house like the Australian artist, but actually, I don't know if that worked too well. Yeah, they're doing it. I'm not sure where they're going to go, but I know. I'm not sure if I'm meant to say this or not, but they've asked me to go to Ukraine and select some artists to come and do residencies oh, wow. in uh, Liverpool. Sad. Yeah, but I don't know if that is kind of that's obviously a biennial thing, but yeah. I don't know if it's raw standard or not. Don't know. Because yeah. they did, they had it at the blue coat, and then I think it was maybe or static or somewhere, but maybe it got too expensive, and then obviously Royal Standards just kind of there. I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, we'll pay you like hundred yeah. quid a month, and then you bite the arm off. Like you're like, yeah, all right, come on, <laughs> come in. <laughs> how, how many? many? Yeah, how <laughs> many? Pile <laughs> them in. Um, but no, they're all like really sound people. But um, we ended up working with Dan, who was like, um, he was on the residency, and the other person was Mike Pratt who is, at the time, lived in Amsterdam. She's now moved to Glasgow, but he was at the Annual in Edinburgh. We did various different things. Don't have to touch to talk about it on the tape, though. <laughs> quite a bit of it involved damaging the car, so it probably shouldn't. OK, we'll leave it. <laughs> no, it was... Um, right, he chucked, um, he chucked a can of soup. Oh, yeah. I told you about that, and damaged all the paintwork on the side of the car. I had to say that it was... Um, that it just happened, then I don't know how it happened. Then the other one, the windscreen got smashed twice. Um, I didn't know about that. Yeah, because uh, Mike Pratt had like a garden chair on top of the car with a mannequin head on it. It fell off. And it fell off and smashed into the windscreen <laughs> twice. Smashed it twice. Yeah. And then, was it last year? The G- uh, GI? Last year, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and you did something called It's Friday. Yeah, so I had this idea that I wanted to kind of open a space. But I haven't really, and I kind of use and just use spaces that were free to use. Um, old shop fronts, I suppose it's kind of like informed by my job because that's all I do, like window dressing and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I, for GI, I, uh, I had like a row of four shop fronts, um, and we did like um, a different exhibitions with um, Joe Cactus was Cactus had a window, um, Jambon, Newcastle base, and artists. Uh, Little Whitehead in Glasgow because um, I'd met them at Royal Standard in 2009 when they'd actually done the residency the same oh, as you yeah. Matt. like 
they'd done the residency at Royal Standard. So, and that was when I first moved to Royal Standard as well. And I just kept in touch with them over time. So, yeah, I, I wanted to show them. That caused quite a bit of trouble. The little white head. Yeah, it was in the sun. And obviously, being from Liverpool, you won't buy the sun. I noticed in the taxi on the way here, there was like a don't buy the sun. It wasn't even like a standard don't buy the sun. No. It was like a, it seemed like a homemade. Yeah, quite a lot of them like that. And like loads of news agents that have signs that say we do not sell the sun. Yeah. It's like a thing. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Fucking yeah. awful. My, um, my sister's boyfriend, Adam, he's a massive Liverpool fan. Because it, it was in the sun and it was kind of half a page in the sun, this big, big um, photograph. You should describe what happened and then we could. Yeah, so um, their installation um, was, um, yeah, for... Was it a bank heist? No, it was kind of like a hostage hostage, um, situation where it was a cast of, like, four people with bags over their heads in this room that you looked through the window to. It looked really realistic. That was one of its problems, I think. It was too good. (laughs) Because <laughs> yeah. it was in, it wasn't just a mannequin. They were like casts, at, like you know, with oh, eyes behind the back. So yeah. yeah, so it looked legit. And because obviously the face or the head would be where you'd, you know, figure out whether it's a mannequin or not was covered. So it really messed around with um, whether it was real or not. And people walking past were all like, "What the hell is going on? Like, and they, what is that? You know?" I didn't know what they were gonna do. <laughs> they kept oh. it a secret from me until oh, they installed it and I was fine with that because I know what they're like and I know they were going to do something they did something for the Royal Standard but you've probably seen it at the birthday um, oh, show yeah. with like I knives know. hanging from the ceiling off magnets Mate, that was that scared the shit out of me they were like putting up the knives no they were just oh no we were throwing up the magnets and I helped them do that and they started putting up the knives and I was like I'm getting out of here I just can't yeah. Yeah. I mean I know they know it was safe but like just freaking out, like kids going in out. there and stuff. In the studio. Really? Yeah, when they were tr- trying it out. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. I think they got stronger, hopefully they got stronger masks. I don't know. Whose kid, uh, David Sherry's kid was like running around. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew they were going to do something a little bit controversial, but I didn't know what, and I just kind of left them to it, and that's, I'm kind of all right with that. Yeah, the local press came and took pictures, Um and then I think like must have tipped off someone from the sun or something I don't know when they came and it was half a page in the sun and uh, my sister's boyfriend Adam who's like a massive Liverpool fan was like you can't you know you can't buy a copy of that and I was like yeah I wouldn't buy who's that I'll nick you one though I think he attempted to. I don't think he actually managed to nick one, but I think, uh, yeah, I think he attempted to. Doesn't seem like a stealer, does Adam? No, I know. (laughs) Pretty funny though. Um, (laughs) She just nicked that page. Yeah. Yeah. The actual the place that it was installed at Sky Park is like a big. um, Well, you've seen it yourself. It's kind of like a big like office complex of. I got taken to the wrong bit in the taxi and I had to walk like 10 minutes just yeah. to get around to... Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? They weren't very happy. They weren't very They weren't happy, happy at all, no. Like, um, at the guy, Malcolm, was, like, calling me and, like, threatening me yeah. and all sorts of stuff. But I actually thought when I was doing it, and, like, I didn't get paid to do that. Like, I got funding from GI because I put in the application to do the show, but I gave all the money to all the artists and the rest are used for... 
like to build to build the, the space because it was a build yeah it's a, it's a build from scratch like it was like windows but they were like booths right yeah it took it took like a couple of weeks to build it all because it was quite a big build and um at the end of it i just thought what why did i even do that like what was the point of that like i spent two weeks of my ho- i get five weeks off like holiday yeah a year and i spent two weeks i didn't get any money yeah why did I do that? Like, it's the same as you. Like, why, yeah, yeah. why, you know, you wanted to do it because you wanted to do it. And, I, like, I think I was the same. Like, I wanted to do it because I wanted to do it. And I didn't benefit off it, like, at all. I just... Why did you do it? I don't know. But do you, do you think that would ever make you... Because if you work, like, yeah, if you get five weeks of holiday a year and then two of them... I mean, it was great. It was a great show. And I'm sure you got liked out of it. But if, would you think you'd ever not do it? No, because I've always just done it. Like, if we're all standard... When I run Royal Standard, I didn't really get... You don't get paid to do that. It's a, it's a voluntary. I just did it because I enjoyed doing it. Um, the Plaza show, like my solo show that I just had in yeah. November, I didn't get any money to do that. In fact, I was out of pocket because I did... Mm. You know, I Glenn's not funded. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. And you've got to think about, like... That's why I've started to really rethink, like, who I select to show a cactus, like... Is it beneficial to them at this point? Do you mm. know what I mean? Like I was, I asked Holly Hendrys to show. I'm sure she won't mind me saying this, um, but like, we didn't get around to doing the show. But like, she's done a few things in Liverpool and whatever. But like, at this point, she's just done a show at uh, Limoncello. Mm. She's got one at Baltic, a solo. So it's like, does she really need uh, a small solo show in Liverpool when she's about to do a huge one at Baltic? Yeah, yeah. it's like. No, probably not, you know, at this point. But maybe there'll be a point where she does want to show because she wants to try something out or, um, you know, like before she does that. But this point, is no, it's no use because she hasn't got any time. So I've been thinking loads about, is this beneficial to the artist? Is it beneficial to me? You know, like, yeah. is it beneficial to people who will see the show? And start to, and like, really, I don't need to think about those things like we were talking earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, don't have to, but... I want to make it useful, you know, otherwise what's the point? Yeah. Like, you know, like, like for me, show, because I was one of the spaces, um, Sam showed, as you were saying, and um, it was beneficial to me and Doug because we'd never done anything in Glasgow before, you know, like ever, like a show, nothing. Um, and as well, we were making work together for the first time. So that was interesting for us mm-hmm. as well. Basically, the um, the idea for it was, I'd read this article in the New York Times about, which gallery, commercial gallery, has the best flower arrangements? Like, you know, and it was like a ratings out of 10 and a big review on their flower arrangements and who provides them, who makes them, what company, who puts them together. And I was like, this is like incredible. So I thought, what would a flower display look like for cactus? So it looked like barbed wire coils instead of a part and, you know, like horrible, like spiky or something like that, dangerous. And then... Uh, dead flowers like dead colourful flowers dying inside that's what the cactus so it was like a trial for a flower arrangement if it was to exist that cactus which I still sort of want to do it to be honest I think it was a good idea um, but yeah awesome to make it look like a kind of department store window exactly like, really yeah. slick we wanted yeah. it to yeah exactly like, we wanted it to be like proper like to play off as well we knew what Sam did as well like so she did this um, the sign for us at the back that was like cactus and then so it looked 
yeah, exactly, like a trendy shop, which is what we wanted, you know what I mean? Like, we wanted to look like a display on John Lewis or something. Yeah. Or... Cactus is like a super slick space that was in, like, you know, that, that building in Vauxhall where it was before. It's like, there was always a massive puddle outside of it, and yeah. it's, like, opposite a sandwich shop <laughs> and, like, the dodgiest <laughs> pub in the world. And... I think no one ever sees the outside of the space or any no. of that. They never really come to it, so I could really make it look super slick. But you're happy to play on that. You know, like, what would a flower arrangement look like if Cactus had one? Well, it would be dead, because... Yeah, of what? There. Yeah, exactly. No one needs to water it, because I'm never there, and it's appointment only. Do you know what I mean? It's those sort of things that I thought were really quite interesting. Um, it's a reality. Yeah, reality check. It's reality. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny that you're, like, that you're willing to lay on that, on your strange position of, like, being in the northwest, which is obviously, like, in terms of... The country's politics is like a neglected part of the country and culturally, uh, I mean, not so much now, but like historically has been kind of, hasn't had much. Or maybe even when you started Cactus, you felt like there weren't certain spaces doing things you wanted to see. And yet, like, you're you're also kind of stuck here, right? Like, you can't, you couldn't afford to run a gallery in London, probably nor would you want to, but... No, I couldn't, you're right. Yeah, totally don't have to say that. I couldn't afford at all. But, like, one of the benefits of being in Liverpool is like, you know, I get people, curators from Tate come or director even comes and then Blue Coat and all these big museums, Walker, they come, mm-hmm. like do a show and may only have, you know, 20, 30 people, something like that. But all of those people are kind of there. Well, you'd, I mean, you'd never walk past it and just find it as well. So you'd have to go looking for yeah. it. Do you know what I mean? Like, so... It's a destination. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So um, they do come... But yeah, um, I think it was useful doing it in Liverpool because there wasn't anything else. So like yeah. this big fish, small pond kind of game. Where, but like, it's also like, you're, you're just a little bit younger than me and Sam, but I remember like, it was just the opposite thing. It was about getting as many, it was about like engagement and getting loads of people down and like cactus came along and yeah, like you say, it wasn't really bothered about yeah. being open or like getting people yeah. to come in. That's why I think it's like... <laughs> To be honest, it's the worst thing invigilating. Yeah. Like, it's the worst. I did it. I did do it. I, when did it you? opened up, yeah, I opened on uh, Sunday. Over the weekend, I opened. Okay. Like 11 till 4 or something. But nobody came. Yeah. So I was just like, I'm not fucking wasting my time doing that anymore. So I did it after the first show. Yeah. I packed it in. Didn't yeah. do it anymore. And just did it by appointments. But then sometimes, because I live over the water, they'll phone me up like, can I see the show in <laughs> half an hour? And I'm like, no, you have to like... <laughs> You have to book for another time. And then there was this time I got a phone call. I don't know if I told you this, Sam, but I got a phone call when I was closing up. Um, for the biennial, I only opened up in total like three hours a day, um, just two days, the Thursday and the Friday for openings, and the rest was by appointment. And loads of people apparently came and tried to see it and couldn't get in, which I was kind of I kind of liked because it means like you should have been there, you know, otherwise you miss out. Um but I got a phone call and it's just some man on the phone like, can I come see the show? I'm really sorry, I'm late. I really want to see it. I was like, yeah, I'll wait. Like, so I waited half an hour and it was the Ryan Gander show. Oh, and yeah. um, he come up and he said, actually, we've got a strange link to this show. Like, in the in that work at the back, I don't know if you saw it, with the um, car stuck in the snow. And that's our daughter's uh, voice, a voiceover. And I was like, oh, amazing. Like, did she end up being an artist? Because Ryan didn't tell me whose voice it was. Did he end up being an artist? And she said, no, no, she went off to uni to do a different course. And I said, oh, so are you two, like, you know, artists or whatever? He said, no, um, I, I um, started this magazine called Freeze, 
I was like, <laughs> um, okay, yeah, I think I've heard of that one, actually. You know, normally when someone tells you something like about a magazine, you might probably haven't heard of it. But I was like, yeah, I have heard of that one, actually. And normally I say, yeah, and I haven't, but actually I have. And he laughed. And his, um, his wife is like a designer, I think, or architect, something like that. But yeah, they were really nice. And I, that was like, you know, really unexpected. Um, like, come to like a, you know, really quite... Um, strange part of Liverpool to see the show which is really great like and obviously the Liverpool biennial helps that because it wouldn't have come otherwise so being in Liverpool and having a small space is actually quite beneficial sometimes because that probably wouldn't happen even if it was in London a part of some I don't know the equivalent London art festival would you get someone like that there's all sort of shit going on people don't have time so there's only one thing but yeah you're right like I don't have many people come and see the shows but what I do have is like, you know, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and everything. And that's where people engage with it or the website even. Um, but what I mean, what I mean about like different way of doing things, because it was about, yeah, Cactus seemed to be about maximising the benefit for the artist and for you, for what you guys, what each of you would get out of doing the show rather than this kind of project spaces and getting a little bit of Arts Council funding and stuff. But you don't... But it doesn't really give anyone any more benefit. It's just like... Yeah, I think that as well. Like, of course, I'd love the students to come, but they don't really at the moment. Yeah. But I think one of the problems... I've been working it out. I think why I get such bad attendance. Because, like, for instance, I had this artist from Berlin nobody's heard of in Liverpool. Maybe they've heard of in London or something like that because, you know, the gallery she works with. And then she doesn't know anybody there. Do you know, like, so... And then I just ask in the people I normally ask to come... And some of them are busy, it's raining, you know, these types of things. And it's like, shit, you know, like, that's why it's tough. I think, like, quite often people who do big group shows with lots of people from around the area, get loads of people, they're all made up because the ego's kind of a bit bigger because, you know, the fucking 500 people came. But really, how much can the 500 people give you? Not very much. I think what I give artists is give them a clean space to do a show and the photographs are always slick so then they can apply to other stuff and get other shows from that because it's like you know they use the material like that so that's why i always try and do i want to talk you there's a good line that you say from oh from yeah this talk at crash yeah you so you're talking about these paintings they're portraits that people get commissioned but the deal is that you're with them in the portrait in the middle yeah so and then and then you're kind of talking about i guess you're talking about like hustling or just like career and stuff and this idea of overdoing it yeah which i thought was really interesting maybe talk about the portraits a bit because they're, they're funny anyway yeah um so the portraits are well they started off by me in the middle of them um and then whoever the curators are on either side because i was thinking about this idea of like networking and family and um like the crossovers between us quite often you feel like you have a network of people and the friends and stuff like that so like these family portraits operate on a similar level and then I had a studio visit from this uh, collector who lives in Manchester called Connell and I was telling him about this idea and I said I really want to get them made with collectors you know where the collectors give me money and they get in return a painting with me and them whoever wants to buy one Um, because I have this idea that like hopefully one day like a foundation or something will buy one and it'll be like a canvas that is like the same height but really long you know what I mean like really really wide because there's like 50 people who've bought the painting or something <laughs> um, so that's the idea but he bought one with me yeah and like he always says though like 
I've been to his house as well. He has quite a lot of art. I think he's a little bit addicted to it. And um, it was just the first thing we people talk about is that painting. Like, what, you know, what the fuck? Like, why are you in a paint with that guy? Who is it? <laughs> and, like, the best thing about it was on Facebook, I did one with Linda Morris and Richard um, Parry from the Grundy. And uh, he, I saw the comments on his finger. It was like, I know you, Linda, are, but who's the hell is that guy in the middle? <laughs> yeah. It was like... That was sort of what it was about as well, like me being a nobody really, you know, like um, using, like obviously people know who they were, but I, like why would you want to paint with me when, you know, I haven't got a reputation or anything like that. But like I think it's interesting people wanting to buy them. Um, I like them because they're difficult to sell is what resell I mean you know like not yeah, difficult sure. for me like, so they can't sell a painting well maybe yeah. they could I don't know um, of him like the, the collector and me be really weird but I'd be fine with that if they wanted to do that but Connor was laughing because he was saying you know I think you're going to do really well but the work I've bought is fucking impossible to, for me to sell so you have to give me something else <laughs> but yeah and this but this idea of overdoing it I thought yeah this idea of like being a nobody which is kind of weird isn't it because you kind of make yourself somebody through doing that painting but do you ever feel I guess with what I'm talking about is like the way you use Twitter your um, cactus like just put um, these paintings you kind of make yourself very public and that must be like a bit of a dangerous place to be sometimes yeah Yeah, yeah. I worry because like you know stuff follows you around on the internet bad works or whatever you don't want people to see and I worry about having a lot of exposure um, early on and then in 10 years when I'm a bit smarter or 5 or 3 even um, I'm like shit what the fuck was I doing you know I hate all that stuff Um, but yeah I think it'll be fine it'll just add volume to the story I guess (laughs) but um, some stuff I think I regret you know a little bit what do you regret? Um, I regret things I've never made before but committed to them with galleries you know like um, ideas that I've had I worry about ideas that I've had and then tell galleries and they agree to it like I started working with this gallery in Romania um, so I'm represented by them now called Sabot and um, we'll put in a proposal for Lister and some of my ideas for that I'm worried about but that kind of makes me feel good as well like I want to be worried you know like so you're worried about how you're going to make them no I'm not how I'm going to make them people's reactions uh, I'm worried about uh, feeling like they're not good enough you know all those problems but not necessarily that more like how people are going to react to this but that, that gives me like a like a good feeling because I'm getting fed up and making work that people just accept yeah. You know, they take it and they don't question it. Do you know that's one of my frustrations? with work, making work like people just go, yeah, it's great, and I'm like, fucking wasn't that good, you know? And it took me like an hour to think of that, or whatever. I want to challenge that a bit more, not make really crap work to, um, <laughs> to challenge it. But I have thought about doing that as a, as an idea to make works that I think are really bad and just question the whole thing. But like new concern, please. <laughs> yeah, but that above Callum, yeah, but um, not, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is an interesting point where your practices touch in the sense that, Sam, you do a lot of stuff by hand, but you also get stuff made. And Joe, I know you said that you get stuff <coughs> made. So, I mean, maybe you could talk about that, Sam, because that's an interesting part of what you do. Um, yeah, well, it's weird for me because I, I don't really have a website and I don't, I haven't, 
I don't really make that much art, like, because I, I work so much and, like, I never really say that I'm an artist. Oh, you don't? I was going to ask I feel that. like I don't. No, I don't, because I'm not really, I don't, I don't know if I am. It's weird, isn't it? Like, because yeah. I've got a job. I suppose, I don't know. It's quite, it's weird. I, I get to a stage now, like, uh, in work where I'm like, do I pick my job, like, that is all right? And I get, I get paid. And do I, like, because I've been offered, like, a couple of different opportunities in work, like, to move to different places, like, to move to London and take a job, like, and get paid, like, 40 grand a year and have a job like a normal person. Or do I just carry on doing what I'm doing? Kind of floating along and having a nice time. And I'll get a bit more serious about making work and maybe yeah. get a website because I really not, don't have one. Or do you know what I mean? Like I don't, I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not really trying to sell things. Like I yeah. just want to do it because I love doing it. By not having a website, you kind of put yourself in the position of people being like, "Oh, you make art then," but you've got as many, you know, you've got a CV big enough to make it look. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, everyone's kind of faking it, aren't they? Because I said to you, I was like, I'll send you my CV, it's full of lols. <laughs> like, a CV always is so boring, it's just like a list of stuff. But actually, when you look at it, I have done quite a lot of stuff, but I don't really have a record. Well, I have pictures, but I don't really have, like, a record that I'd want to show other people. Because, yeah. like I said to you, like, oh, don't, go- like, don't Google me, please. Mate, there's so many, like, blog spot blogs of, like... Yeah. Like really bad like digital photos of because yeah. <laughs> um, the stuff that I've done that like I think back and like the stuff that I've done in the past that I've, I've I think I re- is uh, really good like I did yeah. the show with like Harry um Harry Sorry. Lawson and um, he used to be in the world standard we got um invited we we were in we did a thing in the tape for um tapes what year birthday was it? Fifteenth birthday, tenth birthday, tenth yeah. birthday, where they invited like hundred different um, artist-led spaces from across the wor- world. And off the back of that, Royal Standard got invited to do um, to do a show in this gallery, Monica Monica Babinska Gallery, um, and it was kind of a horrible idea for a show where people would come over time. Um, and install their works in the space. Yeah, awful. Worst idea. Awful. And, and and then you'd have like two days, and you'd do your bit, and then you'd leave, and then someone else would come. Smash it up. Yeah, we smashed it up. <laughs> have I told you this before? No. We smashed it up. Did you? Yeah. yeah. I you smashed up. We smashed, we smashed up the show. Yeah. So <gasps> Harry was doing stone carving at the time. And anyway, Royal Standard, yes, Royal Standard got invited to do this, and then... Someone told me about it, so I think, I think... Yeah, and we were like, oh, yeah, all right, we'll do it, because, like, we'll get paid, we get trained down, it's some, like, it's a nice thing to do, like, we'll do something interesting, the show's terrible, but fuck it, we'll do something, and Harry was doing stone carving at the time, like, learning how to carve stone, so we carved a bat out of marble no way a baseball bat out of marble headstone like he carved so heavy and um i found like an iron bar in the street smashed it up yeah and there's um a part of the show they had like um someone had built like speakers a speaker system and um you could play whatever you wanted so there's a band in liverpool called sss so and harry harry was friends with him and it's kind of like heavy metal music played that and just went in with kind of like all in black <laughs> looking a bit lethal he had this stone bat and I had an iron bar and we just smashed up the whole show <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And and wait, are you really proud of that? You were saying... I think it's great, yeah. <laughs> and we were a bit, like, we just, we did it, and then we nailed the, we nailed the bat and, and the bar to the wall and, like, across, and then we left, and we, we weren't really sure if we should go to the PV, so we kind of, it was at the time when there was loads of galleries on, like, Viner Street and oh, yeah. Hartney, and then we were like, oh, should we go to the PV? So we, we didn't really know what to do, so we just kind of, like, walked past see what was going on and they'd left it how it was they'd left it wrecked um but we didn't go we just walked past on the other side of the road <laughs> went to the pub for a pint but it, it made this like whole thing like people were talking about it for ages now oh you you rose under that they're those people that smashed up that show and we were like <laughs> yeah it's kind of all right yeah, he did, got a really bad name for the Royal Standard down in London. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so it was an office studio spaces you put their work in? No, it was just separate Royal Standard. people's artists. Oh, right, it was, okay. Um, Blue Curry. Oh, um, yeah. so, uh, La- what's it called? Summit Lewandowski and Man. What are they called? I don't know. And, yeah, some other people. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, so I've done things in the past that, you know, not necessarily, like... That would have been a documentary, though, wouldn't it? Mm. There's, there's pictures that exist of it. Like, there are some pictures that exist know. somewhere. I don't... Yeah. I've got them somewhere. Mm. But it was just... Kind of, the the woman that was creating it did, like, a video of it. Um, but, yeah, like... There are things that I like I like up the, about stuff that I've done in the past, but other mm. things I just, like, I'd hate. And I just don't... I wouldn't want to show mm. any anyone. I want to talk about uh, family, because Joe... Obviously, you've made work with now with your dad and your mum. Yeah. And Sam, you used to work a lot with... Or you used to show a lot with Lenny anyway. Do you still do that? Um, we've done a few shows together, my sister Lenny. Um, yeah, we've done a few shows together. Actually, like, I think we've probably just both... Because um, we, we've done a couple of two-person shows, one one in Sheffield, like, years ago, and one in Rogue in, like, 2013... Yeah. Quite a while ago. That was good, that one. I saw that one. Thanks. Yeah, Were yeah. you in uni then? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. I was doing... Uh, I was, like, an intern at Rogue oh, yeah. um, for um, Annie Carpenter and Tanisha when... I don't think I was on that show, was that? I didn't work with you on that show. No. No, um, just after then. So I... They were running the project space there. It's like a residency. Well, it's gone now, Rogue, hasn't it, I think? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was, like you know, they had it for a year or something, and then I helped them out with bits like, you know, install and running around, these kinds of things, and then they give me a show at the end of it um, to curate a show, which was really good, actually. It's one of the first shows which I had a bit, like, a bit of money, you know, to do, Mm. and I had one at Magnus's Space, um, Malgrass Norder, yeah. What what's Malgrass Nola, sorry? Uh, it was a space Magnus run, who was one of my tutors. And I always remember he doesn't I don't think he knows this. But um when I was really quite down and like new contemporaries was happening, I didn't get in that Oh yeah, I was shortlisted for a show at Castlefield Gallery. Um Callum got in that as well, so I was really quite down, you know, like graduating, what the fuck am I gonna do? You know what I mean, kind of attitude. And then Magnus was like, can I have a word outside? And I was thinking, fuck, who have I pissed off in uni recently? <laughs> I was thinking a lot of people, a lot of people, because it's a cause argument all the time. Um, I was thinking I was going to get bollock for something. It was what, I don't know if I should say what it is, what I thought that I was going to be told off for was, um, 
few things in my head, but one of them was th- there was the corner of the studio the these girls had, um, and it was always really messy their studio, and it used to piss me off. Don't know why. It used to really wire me up how messy their studio was, and then. Um, yeah, I wrote a letter from somebody important telling, <laughs> telling them to clean it up otherwise everything was going in the bin. And they did. <laughs> and to this day, they don't know. But I was thinking back, if it would have got out, I'm not going to say who I wrote it from because it's probably fucking get me degree taken off me. Um, but it was like, they did it and I was thinking, shit, this is good. So a few days later, there was this massive big sheet in the middle of the space that some artists were working on. They left it there. They weren't doing anything with it. And it was annoying me. So I wrote another letter on that. <laughs> like, and that went as well. That went in like the same day. It was like clear up by PM, you know, trying to sound like a, yeah. someone important. And um, that went as well. And I was doing all these things to get the studio a bit tidier. Cause it, like, Why are you so bothered about this studio? Because <laughs> I was in there all the time. It's a shared space, though, so it's yeah, really annoying. Yeah, yeah. People leave like food and stuff. Yeah, around. exactly. It's horrible. It was proper messy. Yeah. And um, so I did that, and I was Magnus took me aside. And he was like, "Do you want to curate the show, at the graduate show at Minecraft?" And I was like, "God, that was like my first proper um, break or whatever, you know, yeah. like thing that I got asked to do. Never been asked to be in a show or anything like that. So yeah." It meant a lot, but Rogue's gone now, which is quite dangerous for Manchester, I think, because oh, it was like a hundred studios or something. They're oh, wow. huge, you, yeah. You've not been to Rogue. You must have been. You must have been to so Rogue. They have like, <laughs> so like they have like project spaces, um, you know, like Malgrass and all that. They had the project space where um, Lenny and Sam had their show. It was really quite a big thing for Manchester, and it was right by Piccadilly Station as well, oh, so right. a really good location. Oh, it's been there for like how many years? Like 20-odd yeah. years or something? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a big deal when it got shut down, right? It was like, yeah. Because yeah. they just lost all the studio. Yeah. It's terrible. So, like, don't know where all them, all them artists have all, um, you know, like, fragmented off into different studios. But it's funny you did an internship because people always associate internships with, like, I don't know, like, middle-class girls who've got enough money to not yeah. work or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it was when I was at uni. Ah, uh, OK, OK. Um, so, you know, and, um... Did they say yeah? They Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's true, that. And, like... I've, I just I can't remember why I applied for it. I just wanted to like learn a bit more about how you know project spaces are run and stuff like that mm. which they're what they're interested in Annie and Tanisha is really different to what I was interested in so the show I ended up doing there which was called I Don't Know Shit and it was a I was thinking about how private views are basically just like parties and um, my idea was to invite like 20 artists to show and then they could each bring a plus one to show with them that I didn't know to show in the same space. And, um, yeah, it was quite mental. I didn't realise, like, uh, how hard it is to deal with that many people, you know, at one time. And this is, like, the first proper show you curated with money and funding and stuff? Yeah. Um, yeah, with, I curated with Callum in the end. And I met a lot of people through that, mm. like, um, from different areas and stuff. But yeah, uh, it was good. Like it was quite mental. We got um, an artist to do like a DJ set, especially for it, not live. Like um, uh, you know, recording, and it was good. And he was like shout out to um, you know us and Manchester, and it was good. Like I think there's a lot of pictures of you and Callum holding sh- bottles of champagne. Yeah, that's how it worked <laughs> by Harry Meadley. That one. Oh, yeah. That's what is it? What is it work? Yeah. 
Yeah, I forget what it's called. I'm sure if you ask Harry, he'll tell you. But um, it's where he gifts a bottle of uh, Dom Perignon to each curator, I think. Uh, and we drink it at the opening. But yeah. but yeah, it's a good deal. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you do. But you have specific. So just going back to this family thing, you have specifically made works with both parents now. So you made yeah. a rug work with your dad. That's right. Yeah, which is super interesting because of yeah, yeah. Work. So he's always saying rug designers know nothing, <laughs> and if he ever design one, it would be better. You know, because he knows what he's talking about, and they just. Rug designers are just people who come out with degrees and don't really know, you know, the history of rug selling or what it should look like. So, yeah, we had one made, and um, it was actually late to the exhibition it was meant to go in. Just didn't make it at all. So I just had to put any old rug off the stall in that show. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, this isn't the rug. Um, but it's coming, you know, it's on its way. And everyone was like, what the fuck? Like, is this the opening, Joe? Like, how can you just do that? You know, stick another rug in this place, like a caretaker rug or something. <laughs> and um, then the, I had a visit from the Arts Council collection who were like buying works from artists in the north, doing a studio visit. I never expected them to buy anything because I'd only just finished uni about a year before that. Um, and they said, they said, me like, can we buy it? And I was like, you know, of course, over the moon. Um, but it never got shown, you know, because it was late to that show. And then they bought it, but it's on display at the Walker now, which oh, is okay. really great because that was where I used to, like I talk about a lot, like how I got into art was because I used to go with my dad to galleries to like laugh at the work, like take the piss out of it, like contemporary art. And the Walker was one of the places where we sort of went when they had modern shows on, more like Tate, to be honest, I used to go to and do that. But like Walker, we used to go because we liked like classical painting and um, all things like that. But yeah, that so the work is in there, which of course makes my dad happy. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, what is your dad? I mean, obviously that must be hilarious to him that it got bought by the Arts Council. Yeah. He was completely well, like not at first. He was sort of like, I told you so. Does he want? Does he want? Pots? Yeah, he wants to call it as a joke. Yeah, he didn't get anything, but he was like, <laughs> "I got nothing," you know, like from it. He was like, "He paid as well." My dad paid to have the rug made. I didn't give him any money back, and then I sold it. And he's like, it's a "Fucking joke!" Like, um, but yeah, like he's really happy. Obviously, that I'm showing there, like, because I think uh, my family will obviously wants me to do anything. You know what I mean? Was got behind me, whatever. But like. Or worried what I could do with it. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, come from a working class family, telling everyone I want to be an artist, and they're like, ah, you know, yeah. you can't make any money off that. Yeah, and I then, don't think my mum and dad still accept accept it now. When there's two of us. Yeah, I was just thinking, both yeah. you and your sister. <laughs> but yeah, my dad's like, uh, <laughs> I think it's weird though because like me and Lenny both have like full time jobs as well as making art, obviously. And I think it's it's probably just come from the fact that he's been like, um, you're gonna work, you're gonna work? like yeah. you gotta work, like get out, like so, so since you're like old enough, like sixteen to get get a job, that's it then. You, you've got to get a job, like you're not not gonna. Did you say you had to put yourself through uni? Yeah, yeah, I didn't, yeah. Oh, well, I got like a loan like everyone else, but like my, like there's there's three of us, so my me, yeah. my brother, and my sister, so. It's not fair that, like, 
my mum or dad would uh, like give us they don't have any money like to give us money to go for a uni you know what I mean like yeah. you just you do it yourself don't you you know you so, do so why did you decide you wanted to do art then? because I mean I mean you've just explained how you kind of decided you were interested in art but how did it happen for you Sam? Um, I did graphics originally oh right yeah which probably for for a bit in college because I I was like oh yeah I'm just gonna do, I'm probably gonna do graphics like I'll get a job it'll be sound yeah <laughs> but then yeah but then I slowly realised that I hated the computer <laughs> I didn't even know what a memory stick was like this this lad was sat next to me like got this stick out and put it into the keyboard and so like a Mac and I was like what's that and he was like memory stick and I was like. What does that do? <laughs> didn't even know. Didn't have the internet. Like, didn't my dad like wouldn't never let us have the internet until like we were a bit older. Like, we'd always be like, oh, everyone's on MSN at school. Like, can we get the internet? No. But why though? And he'd be like, because because you're not. That was his answer. And no matter how many times you asked him, he'd just be like, no. I think it's because he didn't really understand what it was. Um, yeah. So I yeah, I wasn't any good at computers really, to be honest. So that's how you ended up doing that. Yeah, because I was rubbish at computers. <laughs> <laughs> but it's weird because I've got the same thing where my parents are great people but they have no interest in any kind of culture at all like literally my dad once bought a CD and it was blue da- you know that song blue da ba dee da ba da oh and that's like the only access yeah Eiffel 65 yeah, yeah. And used to play that at Goodison Park <laughs> what? <laughs> <Did that>? Yeah. <laughs> when what? They scored a goal or no? No, just before the before the game. It's yeah. a good like stompy one, isn't it? Yeah. But so to to. Your dad bought that. Yeah, I don't really. Know. We didn't even have a CD player, so we couldn't play it. My dad this is a fake ABBA. So what? like in the paper, you get like a free CD, and it's like not ABBA. It's like people <laughs> singing ABBA. He listens to that. It's mad. <laughs> but to decide to do art was like a really weird thing and they didn't understand they still don't understand whenever I speak to them on the phone once a week and at the end of the conversation they're always like what, how's your paid work going then Matt how's that all you got any going you got any paid work at the moment and they don't really and this is fine but they just don't really know or care about what I'm doing so the only time they've ever been proud was when I showed at Whitstable Biennial and Whitstable's a really like nice place yeah. so when they came down to see that I stayed in like a really nice B&B and they, the people who were also standing in the B&B were, like, down for the Whitstable Barney one. I think they thought they were really, like, <coughs> classy. Yeah, so that was really nice. Yeah. But otherwise, they've never really understood it, and they don't understand, like, if I told them I came up to Liverpool, they'd be like, why? <laughs> they just wouldn't get it at all. But have there been moments where they have understood what you do? I was actually speaking to um, Ryan Gander about it the other day when I was in London, because I was telling him there was a... Um, Ryan Gander, like... Not documentary uh, about conceptual art about him on BBC. I think it was on BBC, um, and my dad watched it and he really got it, like conceptual art. And because of obviously, you know, uh, Ryan Gander makes a lot of money now, like you know, through galleries and this kind of thing. And because he comes from Chester, like which is like <laughs> yeah. local, my dad got it more. You know, like he understands, like. Like, my dad always laughs about, you know, Piero Manzoni selling his tin cans of shit. And um, he always uses that as an example to explain to his friends uh, about what I do. You know, like, he talks about Piero Manzoni. When I think about, like, does he understand it? Probably quite a bit if he's talking about yeah. Piero Manzoni. It's pretty, like, yeah. um, you know, for conceptual artists, he's, like, pretty important. So to un- I think to understand that... Um, 
is pretty. So like at the start, I didn't really get it, but now I read quite a bit about it, um, about conceptual art and contemporary stuff. And but like his interest is in value as well. Like, say it's because yeah. you're making cash. Yeah. And it's like how's he doing that? He likes what he's interested. <laughs> how's he selling my rug design? Yeah. <laughs> or like the footballs that I make. I don't know if you saw them. Where like yeah. get all of the artists in the show to sign them. He's like thinks that's hilarious. You know, like. Um, using other people's hard work like you know and reputation to, to to make the value of a work go up it's all about value so sort of those works do relate to my dad even though they're not um you know like really like you know visually connected or whatever this is my basic like hypothesis for the thing i'm going to write from this is like <laughs> there's something about the way that both of you think about objects, which maybe partly comes from Joe from your dad and maybe Sam from your mum, which the way you think about objects is very, like, caring and interested and, like, wanting to know about them and wanting to appreciate them, but at the same time, like, very aware of, like, how value is a very changeable thing. And that is, like, quite directly related to, like, the weird end of contemporary art, which is the gallery system and, and the way and the way things accrue value without having any kind of functional relationship like you know if you sell a painting for a lot of money it's not because it does anything different to a painting that doesn't yeah. sell for as much money i think that's just super interesting how like something like a lux like the luxury goods market can like come back to something like yeah like selling rugs or like trading in antiques and selling stuff on ebay they're like they're linked by a weird care about objects, but also like an understanding that an object doesn't have any. If it's not, if it's not like I don't know, a car or like a bit of equipment, it doesn't have any like intrinsic value. Yeah. So even like the rug, I think the Arts Council bought the story. I always say like about the rug. Yeah. The rug could have looked like anything. It didn't really matter what the rug looked like or the style or anything. It was just the fact that the story behind the work is something they bought into like you know they were interested in that because mm. it almost becomes more interesting than the what it looks like mm. do you know like it was um kevin was telling me i think it was part of the jeremy dallas show they had like really you know the venice show he did like mm. four years ago really really old relics i didn't see the show and i still haven't seen pictures like of it like an arrowhead or something like i that. think so. it's like yeah. the oldest one of the oldest objects yeah. on the, like on earth and like so people are, like, you're holding the oldest thing you can hold in your hand. And, like, that's, like, could, you know, could be anything. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. That's, a, like, an arrowhead or a stone or whatever. I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Just the fact that someone telling you what you've got in your hand is so old. Yeah. That becomes more important. So, yeah, I think um doesn't matter about the, what the rug looks like. Mm. But, like, from that, me and my dad got asked to design some rugs like <laughs> from not as art yeah as like rug collections um to sell in shops ah. yeah yeah because they heard about what you know what happened with that particular rug which become then it becomes something really really weird you know like hearsay of um hearing how much money we made off it and then can i use your name to you know make more money which if we end up doing it would be really weird, you know, like um, like a collection by, you know, Joe and his dad, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but, um, what you call it. Yeah, but with my mum, I made 
the ceramic pots we've had and if we saw that show yeah, yeah. this yeah. is mummy's boy which is an international three yeah um and the idea for that was basically i was making a lot of work that related to my dad and i was realizing i spent no money time or like thinking about uh like the relationship with my mom not because it's bad it's really good but probably for that reason i don't end up thinking about it a lot because it is really good so i thought what can we do and she always tells me she um I had a, a boyfriend who was a potter when she was, like, tw- before my dad. I don't know how old. And there's some pots around the house which are made by him. Um, and I was thinking about that. And there's some photographs of a hole in the pots he's made, which are really quite strange. She's just, like, dead, you know, smiley and holding a pot. <laughs> um, and I was thinking about this. And my mum always speaks about how she used to really enjoy doing it, you know, making the pots and stuff. So we joined a local class and I did that, a local class specifically because I didn't want it to be like a trendy pottery class. Mm. It was never about that. It was basically just about spending more time with my mum. So we made like the most basic thing, like a plant pot. And we used plants from the house to go in them, kind of playing off this idea of like, you know, how many plants there are in galleries and all that kind of thing. But they were house plants, you know, like from the house. Oh, they look nice. They're well... Well kept plants. Yeah. Um, they all died in the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Galleries aren't a good place for plants to be, are they? Um, but yeah, like the pots, we just end up being pretty simple. But the best thing about it was spending more time, you know, with my mum. That was the best thing about those works. And like, there's fruit bowls which are curated by my mum, and we had photographed by a professional photographer. The soft lad neon, which is in her handwriting. So we'll, oh, that's in your mum's handwriting? Yeah. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so all these things. So basically, someone described it as like it's kind of like getting your mum to do your homework for you. <laughs> you know, like you've done nothing here. You just piece these things together, <coughs> which I kind of liked, thinking about it like that. I just wanted to talk, we kind of skipped the question, but you both get things made for you by professionals. So... Sam, I know in your last show you had... Yeah, I only have done recently. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, a pal of mine made, like, uh, the Cindy flag that I had in the Plaza show. Um, and I've just recently started... Like, I've always done sign painting, but never, ever really properly. I'd, and I, I never really... I, re- I wanted to learn the skill of doing it um, properly, because I think it's important to start with with a kind of knowledge of at least how, how what brushes to use or you know the, the right paint to use or something so I, I did a I recently did a sign painting course and um, I, I am interested in using the right thing for the right job and I think it's important to get something made like Joe's got I know Joe's had a lot of stuff made in the past but like this is just something that I've done recently is to get an actual like metal worker to make something for you because it, it's always going to be 100 million times better than you can make it because that's their skill that's their mm, job yeah. and I think it's really interesting as well like talking to that person about the process of like getting it made and um like he said to me um he took it to the paint shop and I wanted it like this kind of Miami purple color um and he was like oh that's going to be hard to get and I was like oh can you maybe like just try and see what they say? And he was like, yeah, yeah. He said he took it in and they were like, can it not just be yellow? <laughs> yeah, like yellow is like the standard colour. Like that they paint like valves and like 
other crap that they call whether well, they cover like powder coat uh, for factories that powder coated yeah. for factories and not just be yellow sun and he was just like no it needs to be this really specific purple color why did you want it to be this miami purple color um i don't know i don't really know is it not your car or something i thought it was your it is to do with my car yeah but it was, it was never purple oh right okay. oh actually it was it was um yeah i nicked it from um the front cover of a magazine called that purple thing um and it was like a, it's like a car rallying magazine uh, okay. yeah yeah it was actually the color was nicked from that yeah um as well as the orange of the like the yellowy orangey color of the dvd cases it was nicked from a cover of a magazine Sweet. basically yeah um but um yeah it's, I, I find like that's a, that's a little bit of a story but i kind of like the idea of the knowledge of that and how much like effort it took to actually get it that purple and people like saying oh can it not just be yellow yeah like that's <laughs> quite an interesting thing like you know like have you had similar things when you're having stuff made um, um i did this work uh, which was a bouncy castle oh, an yeah. exhibition and um basically it was like i, I advertised on it. it was in uni it was the first thing i ever exhibited and it was like um I advertised that it was going to be a bouncy castle at this exhibition to make everyone really excited because they're going to want to get, you know, students want to get drunk and bounce, whatever. <laughs> and um, so when it come to it, there was uh, going to be a bouncer there stopping anyone from going on it. Like, it wasn't open at all. So the bouncy castle company came and um, they were like, so do you need sandbags? Like, is it adults or kids <laughs> going on it? And I was like, no, no, no one's bouncing on this. And they were like... <laughs> I didn't realise until I said that, you know, like, what that means. You're like, what? You know, <laughs> no one's bouncing on it. What's it for? You know, like, um, it's like this artwork, you know, like, um, basically no one bounces on it. Uh, and it's like, to, you know, frustrate everyone and control everyone and piss them off and whatever. And you were like, oh, I've got to, I've got to get so-and-so down here to have a look at this. What time is it open? <laughs> So they all came, like the company, to have a look, and they were like, "Look, you know, no one's on it." And then the bouncer as well. I said to her, like, um, the you know the woman who was stopping anyone from going on it. I was like, "Is this all right? Like, you need to understand, it's not taking a piss out of you. Like, you know, it's called it's playing on the word bouncer, and that's all it is. You know, like the bouncer it was called. So she was the bouncer. You know, like stopping anyone from going on a bouncy castle. And um, she said, "No, no," she said. To be honest, I said, you know, I wrestle grown men for a living in nightclubs usually. You know what I mean? Like, to the ground, they were, like, being pissed and being annoying. This is fine. Like, this is all right. Yeah, this is all right. I'll do this for as many nights you want me to do it for. Um, and she was proper good as well, like, proper in character, dead serious. Like, yeah. arrived on, like, a really, like, fancy motorbike and was, like, proper tough. <laughs> had a skinhead like no messing you know what I mean like wasn't like this is all a joke people come up and ask her Can, when do we get to go on it and she's yeah. like no it's closed like you can't go on it so it was good like it all it's worked nice. out fine but yeah those conversations with people like that like a Bounty Castle company I know it's not getting anything made but similar sort of thing like why, why are not having anyone bounce on it like yeah. you know but, it, yeah, yeah. They, they find so long to get the good people to make you the stuff as well like that's one of the hardest things to find the place that really understands because um, I always remember going to uni the first week into the workshops and like they were shared between 3D design and graphics and everything and they of course know what they're doing you know what I mean like they're making stuff and I went with this stick 
which is just wanted a little bit off the end to me try, trying to make this sculpture I was making. So it's like, you know, just like a um, dowel, do you call it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like, I just want a bit off the end. And he was like, how much off the end? You know, measurement. And I was like, about that much. And he was like, go do me a drawing <laughs> with measurements on it and then I'll cut your stick for you. So I went back and I was like, again, what should I do? And then I just did never went back to the workshop again. <laughs> <laughs> I never used the workshop again. Like, never tried to make any for myself again just because I was so embarrassed at that moment. Yeah. Of, like, not knowing what, you know, walking in and being like, don't know, I have a fucking clue what to do here with a saw or whatever. Yeah. Um, so now, like, I think, you know, if I had a home or whatever, if you want something doing, like plastering or whatever, you don't just randomly think I'll have a go at that. Maybe some people do. But like if I want a metal thing, I don't randomly think, oh, I'll just buy the kit and see what happens. Yeah. I don't have any of the kit to begin with. So get somebody who knows what they're doing, you know, and get, I always try and use local people as well yeah. to try and support, you know, like the local area. Give these people like a blacksmith a bit of work because fucking hell, like, you know what, you know, just can't make as much work. When I, I don't know. Who were you talking about earlier that you'd worked with who was... Oh, no, you were both talking about a sign writer that's local, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was a guy. It was a guy that... Um, I went to, like, an auction house in Rock Ferry, which is, like, on the world. It's it's not the nice... It's, it's all right. It's not the best place ever, is it? I don't no. know. It's all right. Anyway. It's got a good it, farmer's market. Has it? Yeah. Has it? Twice a month or once a month. No yeah. Way. It's a good plug for Rock Ferry Market. <laughs> Maybe I'll see if they can sponsor it yeah. the podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah, I went to like an auction house. Uh, I was looking for something. I can't remember. I can't remember what it was. Maybe like a sofa or something at the time. I just wanted to get to go and have a look. And uh, I walked past this um, this shop, and it was just one. The door shutter was up, and I just I, lo- I just looked inside, and I, um, there was like an old guy in there, and he was a sign writer. And uh, no advertising or anything on the outside, which is ironic because he is a sign writer. Like, <laughs> mental. Um, but he had like these posters in the window, and it said like posters in this like fluorescent font that he'd painted. Amazing, beautiful, amazing posters. And I just what I was like, what is that? And then I went into the auction house. I was looked around, came out, and I was like, I'm just gonna go and like look and see what it is because looks interesting so I just went in and um, I started talking to him and I was like what, what are you doing and he was um, he was doing posters for um, a jumble sale at uh, Hume Hall which is in Portsmouth like, like just down the road and I was like alright oh, so how much do you charge for that and he was he, he must have been thinking what are you who is this person just coming like talking to me and he was like quite old and then um, I just started talking to him and he, he was like oh it's like 15 quid for a poster and I was thinking oh I'd love to get a poster made by you for something and um, I was doing a show at the time um, where somebody taught me into doing a performance which is something that I would never really ever do but I got taught into it and um, because I used to cut everyone's hair Oh yeah! I cut your hair actually, didn't I? Yeah, I had a really sweet bowl cut from you Yeah Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's good, so uh, yeah, at the time I was cutting everyone, everyone's hair. Everyone used to come round to my front room and like I'd give them a haircut just for free, just like on, before a night out. Or uh, this is like haircuts on the back of a motorbike. Yeah, 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 yeah. So someone had taught me into doing this performance, and I never really thought I'd ever wanted to do a performance, but I quite like cutting people's hair, so I wasn't really bothered. And I had a motorbike at the time, so I just like thought, oh, just get on the bike and I'll give you a haircut. <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, you got a bowl head. I forgot yeah. about that. Is, it, is that the one that was at Kerry Hand? Someone was it auctioned or something? That no, was in Cave near Art Fair. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It was at yeah. It was at Cave. No, that was um. I did like a voucher to get hair cut by me. So who bought that? Someone that never claimed it. Like someone oh, really? bought it, but they never claimed it. Yeah. Oh. Weird that, isn't it? Because I drew it all out, like hand drew. Yeah. I hand drew this voucher, like. So maybe they just claimed it. They probably thought it was yeah. not real. Yeah, but it is real. Like yeah. I'd give them a haircut, like if they wanted. Well, if anyone is out there and they bought Sam's haircut voucher, yeah, maybe they can claim it. Can they still claim it? If you have, if you want. What kind of haircuts can you do? Whatever, like any. <laughs> <laughs> come, come with some pictures, and I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> And it was called Shit Salon, wasn't it? Yeah, so I got the guy that I met, like, just going into his shop to do the signs for it because they were a million times better than what I could ever do. And, like, I just really wanted him to make signs for me. Um, He's so interesting, like, he's... I don't know. I don't know if the shop's still there. Like, I've told Joe about it before, but... I have to give me the address because I've never been talking for it. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, he... got talking to him and he... He phoned America to get his paints. Because I was like, oh, I really wanted to learn about sign painting. This is quite a while ago, like a few years back. I was like, I really want to learn about sign painting. Like, um, what pa- like what paints are you using and stuff? And he was like, oh, these paints just flashed a tin in front of my face. And I was like, all right, like, where'd you get them from? And he's like, I phone America. He had a phone <laughs> on top of um, a stool. This, this shop, like, it, it wasn't really a shop, it was just covered, like, so much paper just everywhere. Like, you, there was nowhere to walk, like, it was just surrounded by stuff and, like, a big um, drawing board and an easel. And, um, yeah, he's like, I'll just phone America and point it at the phone on this stool amongst all this stuff. And I was like, Ace, <laughs> don't really know what's... You're amazing. Like, I loved him, he's so good. And that sparks an interest in sign writing, or you'd already been doing that? Uh, I'd already, like, done... I was always interested in, like, lettering and stuff like that anyway. And what was the... You just did a course in it? So, um, yeah, it was at the beginning of December. Um, uh, there's, like, a, this guy called Joby Carter. He runs a Carter Steam Fairs um, just west of London in Maidenhead. Um, he has, like, a big yard, and his family have, have, have always been, like... Um, running the steam fair and from a young age I think he's just kind of learnt the craft of sign writing um, 10,000 hours to be uh, 10,000 hours to be a master sign writer How many hours do you reckon you've done? done not many <laughs> 10 <laughs> 10 really good hours though right? 10, yeah, 10 yeah, good hours, hours. <laughs> yeah, 10,000 hours to, I think that's to be a master of anything, you have to do 10,000 hours. So to be a master tailor, you have to be yeah. 10,000 hours. Like, But the sign writer that I know in Liverpool, he's like, um, talks about his mentor or like the person he works with <laughs> about how horrible he was. He said he hated him because of how ruthless he was, you know, with like sign writing. He'd like, he'd be like a letter that was slightly off and he'd just like, bit, say, you know, when I'm having that with Binnet, you know, it'd mm-hmm. taken him like three days solid yeah. to, to do. But I was, um, I was asking for like you know the um, did you like test like have you ever seen their like tester sheets where they like write the alphabet or the write a yeah, yeah yeah and they're really nice so I asked um, Ken for uh, I said can I have one of your practice sheets and he replied to the text like 
I'm not being fucking funny, Joe, but, you know, I've done it for 50 years. I don't need fucking tester sheets. Like, I don't need no rehearsals kind of thing. <laughs> like, so I was like, oh, my God, that's perfect. Can you just write that for me? You know, like, over and over again. Like, so I think I'm going to make that work with, like, I can't remember the exact quote or something like that. Like, you know, not being funny, but I don't need practice sheets or something like that. But one of them, like, really beautifully, like, accurate, like, loads of them. Yeah. Um, exactly the same. I think it's really nice and, like, I was telling him and he was like, this is fucking bonkers, you know, you saying on the phone. <laughs> yeah. And he's got, like, loads of good stories about um, having to, like, you know, go and get money off people um, who weren't paying him. Um, he's got good stories about the Blue Coat Gallery because he did all their signs oh, yeah. um, on the back of the... And um, he did it in a cherry picker and he was talking about... They wanted it really close to the roof, you know, to the bottom... He was saying, I can't do that because I'll be in the cherry picker, you know, and there's a roof here. So to be on that, the lowest down it'll go is like here, you know what yeah. I mean? And someone said to him, I don't know who it was, but said like, you know, um, well, can't you just put cushions on the roof? You know, like, yeah, and you, and kneel on the roof, yeah. yeah. And he was like, I'm not answering that. You know? <laughs> 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 so basically wanted to hang upside down, you know, like, and paint on direct on the roof where he could just roll off <laughs> he was like he always talks about like how these like people he does jobs for know fucking nothing he's like I'm the sign writer leave it to me I'll make it look good for you but he's good he's got a studio now because he's retired so he's an artist he makes like not sign writing work but paintings oh, nice. that are completely um, separate but yeah he's got he's like what he's saying is like a proper dying trade like yeah. um it's not, I think it's him and another guy in Liverpool who do it, or Merseyside even. Mm. Uh, um, but yeah, he was saying about how long it takes, you know, to get good at it, how many hours he put in and tried. And uh, But yeah, he said it takes a very, very long time to know, like, because I, I mean, my granddad was always really good at doing signs for the market, you know, price tags and everything. And that's who my dad went off because we had... We still have handwritten signs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, on the, on the rugs, which is quite rare because people just print them off. But my dad's convinced these signs that he does. I think it's more of a bargain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, to get it right, he can, you know, he's good at doing these signs. But to get the letters, like, right, he was good at, you know, like, and my granddad always did it because he did, like, um, he had a bookies in Liverpool um, where he had to do, like, I've still got his chalkboard. We used to have to write all the stuff on it, you know, really accurate and do signs for that. They had like a, a, a bakery, so they had to do the signs for that. So he's always done it and he taught my dad. Mm. But my, it's weird, I'm an artist and my dad hasn't ever thought to show me how to do it. You know, like, there you go, so have a go at that. So every time my dad's away, it's hot and like a sign blows away, it happens all the time because it's really windy. Uh, it's hard for me to do it really hard you know it looks so easy to get the the numbers yeah. like exactly the right size yeah 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 it's really so hard it's, it's really, really hard. hard um but yeah like there's and like there's a old um my granddad bought this like van full of um hula hoops once <laughs> and he couldn't figure out how to get rid of them and my nan was really mad of it, mad at him because he owned the fucking van full <laughs> of hula hoops it's like we live in Toxteff what the fuck are we going to sell are we going to sell these like what's your idea for this so we invented a hula hoop festival in Toxteff <laughs> um, and everybody in Toxteff needed a hula hoop to take part you know and um, 
I think this is the this is the story anyway. I don't know how you know true it is or whatever. But my nan won the hula hoop the hula hoop <laughs> competition, and she won a bike. But I'm not sure if that is a separate um, a separate festival or a separate not um, competition or whatever. We got managed to get rid of all this van full of hula hoops anyway, which was practically impossible to get rid of in Liverpool at that time. Yeah. So I think about that idea a lot, you know, when I'm making work, like um, like what do people want, you know, playing on value, like we were talking about yeah. before, and all those things relate back to that idea of, like, stupidity of buying that much and then having to do something with it, or I think it's an interesting idea. Do either of you own much art? Yeah, uh, do swaps sometimes, but not much, no. Um, I own an Alex Rathbone uh, work, which he, yeah, which he didn't even swap me in the end, he just gave me. That's what was that? It's like a incense burner. Well, I saw one on a... I shouldn't say this, should I? Maybe he doesn't want people to know he gives them away. But I'm, I'm sure he doesn't to everybody. But, um, yeah, I really liked them. And I said, oh, I want to buy one. Can I buy it off you? And he'd give me it. That's what happened. Yeah. But I don't know much art. Do you own much art? I, do, I have some bits, and my, my girlfriend really likes having things on the walls. So she, I've, like, bought stuff for her and stuff. But more like prints and things. Yeah. But I don't really have an understanding of, like, why... What drives people to buy art? Yeah. So I wondered if you guys did, because you've got a background in, like, owning objects, stuff. like, owning stuff and... Like, trading is obviously, like, about getting things that you think are beautiful and great and then selling them on for profit. But I've got quite a bit. Have you? Yeah, I, I do trades. Um, so, obviously, like, with work, I get quite a lot of free stuff or cheap jeans or whatever so swap people <laughs> yeah. I should do that with rugs oh right? yeah you should do it so it's like because like the lad that made the sign for me I swapped him a load of clothes um, really yeah, made him yeah. in clothes made him in clothes yeah wow he was made up because if you think I'd give him yeah, like more 800 quid's worth of clothes like yeah. for but it cost me like you know 50 quid or something yeah yeah, yeah. It's a good deal. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got to use every bit of what you've got. Do you know what I mean? To get what I you want. I the car as well. Like, yeah. I go everywhere. Like, I don't pay for petrol. Yeah. yeah. You've got to use it. Like, yeah, yeah. there's no use. point in not using it. And I think it. that's where some artists fall short sometimes is when they don't use everything they've got. You mm. know what I mean? Like, go with every... But I mean, maybe that's more of a... Um, upbringing or class mm. thing, you know, where you do use things, everything you can. I think it's important. I, I, yeah, I think I think both of us have never just been handed something. Yeah, you know? so you gotta go like, get it. We want it. Yeah. yeah, and like it's even a fluke that like uh, for me anyway, like managed to do all right. Do you know what I mean? Like it um, really that that's something in itself. Do you know what I mean? Like because I never expected that. that. But yeah, because obviously you're doing a few different things. But what do you think you'd be doing if you hadn't? Don't know. Start a cactus, or kind of got start getting solo shows. Yeah, like I always wanted to do law at uni, but never thought I could. Probably could have got in. Maybe I just like the idea of what did then beating somebody. You know, like the information, <laughs> um, like sort of being the same. But what you do on that day could really affect what happens, and you could really, with the same tools, be better than somebody else. So, like, I think it's quite similar sometimes to why I like making art, you know, like... I was going to ask, actually, like, if you... 
because we were just talking about trades and skills, like if you feel you have a particular skill as an artist and what that was. Con artist. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't mean that. But I mean, like, I think quite often I question, to, well, I make these questions with myself and we were talking about before this, but, like, I worry about do people just want to... Um, show me because they meet me and for that reason or is it about the work do you know what I mean like what are they interested in and I think a lot of the time it's me which is okay and like I don't know maybe that's an insecurity I've got you know like it's fine but I worry about yeah what are people's intentions but that's that's a that's a class thing definitely like you know questioning why are they showing me why am I worthy of this this and then where someone else is just take 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 question nothing you know what I mean like just take it and don't give a shit but that's why it's quite interesting that you put yourself kind of front and centre yeah. because often a tactic of people who don't feel like they fit in because the contemporary art world is full of people who have money right and if yeah. you come from a background that or you just I just for me like I just had no frame of reference for it yeah. so I, tr- I often try and like keep myself out of the way although not very successfully yeah. But I, like, work with other performers and get other people to say stuff so I don't get in trouble if I say something bad or whatever. Because I think it's all or nothing kind of thing. Like, <laughs> you know, like, uh, this or not, if this doesn't go well or whatever, yeah. then, pff, I don't know. I'm not going to... To be honest, like, I wouldn't personally carry on making art if it wasn't going good, probably. I wouldn't be an artist, probably. Because... You know, I want to move fast. Like, I want to... Um, I don't know. I know a lot of artists or people would say that's wrong. You should just want to make art because of the love of it. And, you know, what the fuck am I going to do? Like, you know, with, like... Like, for a living, do you know what I mean? Like, to make money from it. And um, if I want to do it, I want that to be it. Like, yeah. I know that's probably an unrealistic thing because a lot... Mm. I mean, like, more artists can't make it work than can, you know, from just selling work or whatever but it'd be hard for me to I think I'd be pretty upset if I didn't have any shows or whatever and like it might that moment might come do you know what I mean mm. I have to do something else I'm the other way I think I was just thinking that you, yeah. what do you think about that time? I think I, I think that's fine like yeah, I don't yeah. have any issue like I think just do what you want it's my new thing like just fucking do what you want to do but I mean more not, not what you think of Joe but like how do you think about art because obviously like almost everything you do kind of fits around and you use yeah. your car and you use your no, your holiday and stuff. I feel like I never really took it seriously enough. I feel well, I like... did. Well, I don't know, because I just did it. I did actually do it. Sounds dead enough, but just the enjoyment of, like, hanging out with other artists and, like, all my pals are all artists, like, and I've no, I met so many people from doing it and I just enjoy... I just enjoy it and, like, I don't... I'm not really... I don't know, because I work, because my job and stuff, like what I'm doing at the moment to actually get money, I never really thought I'll just jack that all in and try and be an artist full time because a lot of people do that. And I see a lot of people around me, you probably do as well, Joe, and like, yeah. you know, you go for dinner and you're like, oh, I don't want to be stressed about paying for dinner. We've like, been talking about it together, haven't we? Yeah. I, it's all what, what about not having money you mean yeah, yeah like why put yourself in that situation when you don't really have to like you, yeah like I don't have to like mm. I, I'm working I can still do stuff I, I think I have a different a different outlook on it like to Joe because I just you know 
I just do it for like do do it, do it for the love of, yeah, of doing yeah. it. Which as well. I'm not. I'm not saying my reasoning is right or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, like mum being fucking righteous or anything. It probably won't work. I don't know. You know what what will happen to me or whatever. Uh, but that's my goal anyway. You know, yeah. like that's my goal. Yeah. Maybe it's unrealistic. Maybe it's not. I've done okay so far. So why not? I think. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. I think just why keep not? doing it. Like, um, and as well, like. I think if you keep saying that, <laughs> hopefully it'll happen, you know. I've always described studying art and, like, committing to it as, like, painting yourself into a corner. <laughs> so, like, it's not that I'm successful, it's just that I'm not successful at anything else. So, relatively, I am successful. <laughs> <laughs> so, I can't do anything else now. So yeah. I think you do it for the wolf, Matt. I don't know, man. Like, I... Well, everyone, like, I think... A lot of people want, like, I don't know, like, I want I want to make it work because I want to make money off it so I can do more of it. Not yeah. so I can drive a fucking Lamborghini. Do you know what I mean? So I can, like, have an idea that's a bit crazy or whatever and be like, I can just make it. Like, I had this idea the other day. I wanted to make, you know them um, Selena bags? Yeah. Uh, that look like a face, the phantoms. No, I don't know what they are. I'll show you a picture of them. Um... All right, yeah. Yeah, you know them bags? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I want to make them, like, ceramic tongues coming out, really horrible tongues that match the bags. <laughs> and, like, each bag costs £1,300, and that's on sale there, that yeah. bag, £900 off. And it's like, you know, I want to make a bunch of them. Yeah. It's like, where the fuck... <laughs> costs, like, 30 grand, you know what I mean? It's like, I want to be able to make that sort of work that, like, uses luxury items or whatever, or high... Quality, and I can only do that from setting other work and then putting the money yeah. back into it and then make bigger, and that's the, like the plan. Yeah, but it's like, I was just thinking about when you were saying, like, I wouldn't do it if it wasn't going well, and it, I guess it's just about like what bit of the, your practice you yeah. you're always going to do something for the love, but like what bit of the practice are you doing for the love? So, like, maybe for Sam, it's about making the things, and you can always do that, but if for you, it's about like being able to produce things in a way... Like, for me, it's about, like, this is the idea of grifting, right? It's like, you're always trying to get onto the next thing, and that's the, for me, that's the exciting bit. So yeah. that's why I do so many different things and work in so many different ways, because it's always exciting to, like, leap onto the next little bit of work. Yeah. And, for, yeah, for you if, you, if if you're not showing, maybe, and if you're not, like, meeting people and doing new things, then, like, yeah. if that's the bit of the practice that you enjoy, then, yeah, like, it makes sense, because you wouldn't be doing that bit. Yeah. It'd be like if, I don't know... Just in the studio every day, me for me, yeah. and with nothing to think about. You know when I'm responding to, like, uh, spaces or things, like people and meet, or, you know, funny stories. If we didn't have any of that, take all that away, and no money to make any work. Yeah. I don't know what I'd do, you know. I'm not, I don't read or much, so doing that just sitting in the studio reading is an interest to me maybe be the perfect thing for somebody else you know they'd love to sit in the studio for a year yeah. and think and read but you're right yeah the opposite to me is like doing cactus loads of shows yeah. doing yeah. my work loads of shows going around travelling they're all the things that I want to do yeah. yeah and you need to sell stuff to maintain that but I don't I mean say need to uh, I could still do it but I want to I think, yeah, like, I get influenced from, like, a lot of stuff. Like, you see my Instagram, it's just full of pictures oh, of crap. Yeah. Like, and it is just... But you get just, that from travelling Yeah, around. I get that from... And without working, 
Well, you're stuck in a studio. How do you have inspiration? I would not be yeah. sat in a studio. Like, who, yeah. who sits in a studio all day, like, every day? Yeah. If you're a painter or yeah. a reading or no, researching, but... I think you can do it, but yeah. it's, it's hard. Yeah, I get, yeah, inspiration comes from, like, funny things that people Just, say or, yeah. like, your surroundings. Like, I think, yeah, I'd be bored shitless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think a lot of artists are scared to say they want to make money. Yeah. But, it's because a lot of them already fucking got it and they don't need to make any money. <laughs> so, you know, like, that's why, like, I'm all right. I'm all right. I don't want to sell work because I don't need to. It's like, fuck, you know, how the fuck am I going to live in New York and no money? That's <laughs> yeah. what I think most. <laughs> These are problems I think about. Not, oh, okay, be fine because I just get left, you know, fucking shit ton of money that I can just, like, yeah. live off forever yeah and I would take that money as well by the way I would take that money I'm not calling yeah, those yeah, people yeah. out I'm nothing like that I'm not a gangster whatsoever I think if you've got it fine like mm. better you know yeah. like but at the same time that's why I need to make sales <laughs> but I haven't sold loads of work but sold you know bits which have helped me get other things helped me pay for other work that I wouldn't be able to afford that kind of thing but yeah but there's a work I want to make at the minute, which I'm not going to say on the podcast because I'm paranoid that everyone's going to steal it off me. <laughs> <laughs> it costs too much money, you know, like, that's so that's why. Yeah. I hope that makes more sense. Yeah, no, Rather than not, sense. of course I love doing it, I wouldn't do it otherwise. It's like the hardest thing to sell ever. Oh, so it seems, you know, like, be much easier selling rugs, like, sell more, make more money off at the minute, so... And, like, as well as a gallery, like Cactus or whatever, selling other people's work, I wanted to go to the right people and they'd be looked yeah. after. So it's, like, I'd rather just sell, you know, stuff, yeah. not owned yeah. by or loved by anyone else. Like, if you showed me and I sold your work to some random and they ended up reselling it or flipping yeah. it or whatever, you'd be like, what the fuck? You know, we only sold that for a grand, two grand, whatever, but then they're selling it for ten. Yeah. What's that all about? And I'd be like... So don't want to get into really. so you're not interested in taking the gallery to that stage where you're representing people I'm here to represent artists really early on like so that to help them get another gallery because I don't know of another space that does that is yeah. you know like so when you come out of uni or yeah even age wouldn't really matter to me as long as they're early on in their career yeah. represent them especially when they're definitely not going to get a gallery do you know yeah. what I mean like they're not no one sniffing around them and give them support and help them get shows, get them a solo, maybe do an art fair, and then maybe they move on. Do you know what I mean? And I get it's like else. a management firm or something rather yeah. than. And then you just get someone else, do you know? Because there's a long line of people who could benefit yeah. from something like that, not cactus, but something, a model like that, like myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know like would have done benefited from something like that oh, that's what I think I would have got a lot out of yeah. and being honest about it clear on the website like got a friend who said he'd do me a business plan um, who works with like companies and money and everything do me a business plan uh, for Cactus and I thought it was really funny because it's I mean I'm at a huge loss at the moment you know <laughs> like uh, massively so I think that would be all on it you know how much I put into it yeah. how much I've lost really clear and I was going to put it on the website you know, like, open up about it, about the plan. <laughs> what do you think about that, though? Because that, um, to me, that seems like the opposite of Cactus. Like, that idea of, like, critical, like, transparency and being kind of, like, critical about that yeah. system. I don't know if Cactus would benefit from that. Yeah, the Cactus is slick, man. Like, the pictures are good. Like, it just looks nice, right? And if you start, like, opening up about the fact that it, yeah, you've, like, lost a load of money on it. <laughs> 
probably be like, well, that's shit. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have expected you to, um, to talk about something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't really mind. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but, like, only accidentally becomes... I mean, I wanted it to be slick, but I never knew, you know, what could make it look like. Do you know what I mean? Like, But then it's good because there's been some artists who've really gone to town with the space, like, um, really, really gone for like, installations. Mm. And I know artists who are showing a like, cactus look back at the programme and think, fucking hell, like, you know, you really run for it, or, you know... Yeah. Uh, like, like, so they really make them feel like... Um, they need to step it up to yeah. that level, like put a proper because you don't want to be on that list of shows and their show not be as good. Yeah. And I know of artists who've show, have, have shown, uh, like they've said to me about that, like you know, spoken to me about. I looked at the other shows, seen what worked, and yeah. that's why I'm, I miss that old space because for that reason. Yeah, but I do think that it comes from. Well, it seems to me that it comes from you guys understanding, like, in what context objects are displayed, like, and yeah. what their value is for different people at different times. Like, it seems to me really direct. Like, this idea of doing things properly that you've both kind of spoken about in different ways, like, it seems to come through in what you do. Yeah. Sweet. All right, that's the official end, then. Times New Roman in Tesco. Yeah, that one. What? I've got that one. Oh my god. What is it? Yeah. No, like yes. Tesco, like in Tesco, they have like on the shelf edges. But then someone just goes on the computer, goes, "Oh fuck it, we need a new sign." Uh, it's not the right one, and then they just get a get a word and just do it. <laughs> that's wrong. That's not yeah. that, isn't it? Like, like if you were turning up. So is that real? Yeah. No Tesco. way. Like yeah. you know, the Tesco's right, love it. Well, like, go on, just get, just get it. Go on, get on the computer like yeah. someone in the back. Yeah, yeah. Just go on, just do a couple of new signs for that shelf. <laughs> the one you so said I've talked is like, it's like Easter or something. Oh, yeah, enjoy Easter. Yeah, enjoy Easter. <laughs> you seen that? Enjoy, that was like last year. Enjoy Easter so many times. Enjoy Easter, enjoy Easter, enjoy Easter. But your line is every like, shop, uh, I know what would sell these Easter eggs. <laughs> <laughs> no. Every shop. There was one that was like on the boot, it was on like cans, and it's like, um, have a nice summer. And a picture of a sun <laughs> clip art. In Times New Roman, like that is not Tesco, like, yeah, approved, approved point of sale. Like, I only love things like that because I work in shops, obviously, so I see it all the time, and I'm like, <laughs> I see, like, some store managers do some, like, dodgy things and, like, put signs on the tail, like, saying 20% off student discount, whatever. <laughs> and, like, I go in and I'm like, what the fuck is that? I went into Newcastle, like, not that long ago, and then someone had made a sign and they put it on, um, like, a board and they put it in the window saying, we do not have any jobs, do not come into the store. <laughs> because, basically, they get a target, so... Um, they have like a footfall counter that counts the number of people that come in and out of the store and they have to like convert so many people that come into the store into buy-in so, yeah. so they have a 10% conversion rate so if 100 people come in they have to convert 10 people into buying something so people, kids were coming in with CVs like oh have you got a job ruining their like footfall counter <laughs> ruining their rates and they put the sign in the window and I was like I walked in I was like what's that and they were like, oh, yeah, it's because kids keep coming in with CVs. I was like, no, you can't tell people not to come in the shop. Like, are you mad? Like, <laughs> are you mad? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, take it off. I ripped it off and I was, like, furious about it. <laughs> Do you have to give people shit? Uh, no, no, I'm nice. Okay. Like, yeah. I have things like that, though. I'm like, what? 
what is that like? <laughs> you, telling people to get out of your shop, like yeah. you want to sell things, like. So that was Joe and Sam. Really, really nice to speak to those guys. And yeah, just super interesting to talk about this stuff. Um, I love Liverpool. I love spending time there. Uh, Like, I love all the people I met there. Uh, So all the people from the Royal Standard, still good friends. It's an interesting place. The next day after the interview, I was going back to London. I was having breakfast in McDonald's at like half seven. And next to me were two middle-aged guys... And they were just speaking. They were like swapping notes on like books they'd read. And some of it was like piqued my ears. It was like kind of, I think, like Marxist critique or kind of critical theory stuff. And when then one of them was heading off to work and the other one was either retired or I don't know, didn't work or whatever. And in Liverpool, you still have that sense that there's this, this feeling that working class is like an identity that people are happy to have. Um, and there's still a strong sense of pride and community and where you've come from that I'm sure is echoed in many places around the country but where I'm from which is the southeast of England uh, there's there's more that kind of Tory sensibility of trying to get out from being working class and to try and escape it I guess the I don't know that kind of ideological stuff of meritocracy and aspiration and and like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps like it permeates really deeply even if you don't believe in it or you think it's wrong I mean, part of Liverpool's thing is that it, rege- it like really does reject things. So, so I think we mentioned in the interview about um, the "Don't Buy the Sun" stickers that are everywhere because of Hillsborough, and people just don't buy the Sun. It just doesn't happen. Like nowhere sells it. You can't buy it. That kind of ugly rhetoric that the Sun puts out is not acceptable in Liverpool, and people won't stand for it. And I think that's kind of amazing. So what do we have coming up on the podcast? Okay, so this is the first one, and I'm putting this out early, I think, because the Corridor 8 article is coming out soon. So I wanted to make sure it was up for that. Upcoming, we've got more interviews with amazing artists and thinkers who who kind of speak to the bad vibes themes um, of kind of negativity or ambiguous kind of emotional stuff or politics that is kind of hard to talk about or maybe kind of slightly off and I'm really looking forward to sharing those with you and I'm really looking forward to doing more interviews as well I'm not going to speak too much on this first one but hopefully you enjoyed it and hopefully you'll come back uh, for the next one okay thanks so much